Um, okay, beginning with Commissioner Tanaka. Not present. Commissioner Aliotto Pierre. Here. Commissioner Foley. Commissioner Foley is not here. Commissioner Shu. Here. Commissioner Osfal. Here. Commissioner Listana. Here. Commissioner Zhang. Here. Commissioner Fret. Is not here. Commissioner Oyagata. Here. Commissioner Pimentel. Present. Commissioner Wynn. Here. Commissioner Shaw. Commissioner Hum. Present. Commissioner Plummer. Barker Plummer, I'm sorry. Yeah. Commissioner Katubig. Present. Commissioner Santos. Here. Alrighty, and Commissioner Love. Not present. So we have Commissioner Tanaka, Commissioner Foley, Commissioner Fret, Commissioner Shaw, and Commissioner Love who are not present today. Okay, thank you, staff. Um, about those absences, have any of them given a heads up or beforehand? I have not received notice from those folks. Okay. Um, I will just note that we are meeting on an irregular day. Um, so that might be part of why. Do we need a discussion on these absences? I have a question. Mm -hmm. Never mind. Okay. Um, I know I'm not hearing any discussion. Um, before we move on to public comment, I just wanted to give like a few notes. So Gabby let us know ahead of time that she will leave at um, 
five thirty, and then I personally will need to off at seventeen. Um, but nevertheless, I can continue with. Is there any public comment on Commissioner Tanaka Foley Fret Shaw? Um, or Commissioner Love's absences. Hearing none, um, do we have any motions to excuse or unexcuse his absence? I'm not hearing any motions. Staff in this situation, could we move on? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, we will now move on. So staff, can you please call item two? Yes, item number two is approval of the agenda. This is an action item. Okay, commissioners take this time to look over today's agenda. As a reminder to schedule any items on the agenda, please connect with either staff or any member of exec to agendize. Um, is there any public comment on this item for the agenda? Seeing none, public comment is now closed. Is there a motion on the table to approve the agenda? So moved. There a second for the motion. List on a second. Commissioner Barker Plummer motions to approve the agenda, seconded by Commissioner Listana. We can take a vote on the approval of the agenda. Staff, can you please take a roll call vote? Yes. Commissioner Alioto Pierre. Aye. Commissioner Shu. Aye. Commissioner Osva. Aye. Commissioner Listana? Aye. Commissioner Zhang? Aye. Commissioner Oyagata? Aye. Commissioner Pimentel? Aye. Commissioner Wynn? Aye. Commissioner Hum? Aye. Commissioner Barker Plummer? Aye. Commissioner Katubig? Aye. Commissioner Santos? Aye. Already the motion passes. Thank you, staff. Um, this item has passed, so can you please call item three? Yes, uh, item number three is approval of the minutes. This is an action item. Please see document A for the January 3rd, 2022 minutes. And this is the time to review the minutes from the January 3rd meeting. As a reminder, it's an expectation to look over these prior to our meeting. Is there any public comment on this item of the agenda? Seeing no public comment, public comment is now closed. Is there a motion on this item?
Motion to approve. Two big second. Commissioner Barker Palmer motions to approve the minutes from the January 3rd meeting, seconded by Commissioner Katubig. Staff, can you please take a roll call vote? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Aliotto Pierre. Aye. Commissioner uh, Shu. Aye. Commissioner Osval. Aye. Commissioner Listana? Aye. Commissioner Zhang? Aye. Commissioner Fret? Aye. This is just approving minutes, right? Or Yes, this is for the approval of the minutes. Thank you for joining. Uh, Commissioner Oyagata? Aye. Commissioner Pimentel? Aye. Commissioner Wen? Aye. Commissioner Hum. Aye. Commissioner Barker Plummer. Aye. Commissioner Katubig. Aye. And Commissioner Santos. Aye. Already the motion passes. Thank you, staff. This item has passed, so can you please call item four? Yes, item number four is public comment on items that are not on the agenda. This is a reminder to the public that you have two minutes per public comment. Great, are there any members of the public who wish to share a public comment? Seeing no public comment, public comment is now closed. Staff, can you please call item five? Yes, item number five is presentations. All items to follow are discussion and possible action. Item 5A is inform and discussion. This is about the Golden Gate Park access and safety program. As a presenter, we have Chava and Alex who are staff at SFMTA and also Park and Rec. And whenever those folks are ready, you can go ahead and begin. Sure, I think we're ready. Chava, are you going to share screen? I am. Um, give me all a second to talk amongst yourselves. So I have now shared the screen and I'm going to go to full screen, I believe. Did that work for everyone? Not quite. Oh, hold on. Oh, there we go. How about that? Yep, perfect. All right. I look, Gen Z, I have done it. <laughs> Um, thank you all for having us. I'll turn it over to Alex. He'll, he'll be beginning this presentation. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Anyone else on the call? My name is Alex Schiffknecht. I'm a representative with Rec and Park. Uh, I'm a project manager with the, with the department. I'm joined by Hava Cronenberg, uh, representative for MTA. And we're here today, tonight, to present the Golden Gate Park Access and Safety Program. Um, have I'm seeing your oops. I'm trying to get my blur screen on. That I did not figure out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, blur my screen. Thank you. Okay, sorry. This is not my traditional platform. This is Zoom. And I'm Hava and I'm joining Alex and I'll introduce myself when I when I take over. But here you go, Alex. Sure. Just an overview of what we're going to be presenting today. Uh, we'll start with a little bit of background on the project. Um, go through the program proposals themselves, and then we'll have some time. Um, most important part of the presentation is to get some input from you. 
So next slide. So as we all know, um, back in 2020, spring of 2020, COVID uh, hit and the city shut down many of the city streets, including JFK and Golden Gate Park. Since then, almost 7 million people have been counted uh, walking, rolling, biking, and strolling on the street. Um, and this also marks a 36% daily increase in park visits since then. Next slide. Um, Pre-COVID, uh, there was a lot of traffic on JFK, almost 75% of which uh, was just cut through traffic. So with no park destination, no park purpose uh, in mind. Next slide. Pre-COVID, there were also a lot of injury collisions involving vehicles with uh, people walking and biking. And since then, there have been zero injury collisions um, on the car-free route uh, since the closure. Next slide. So this is just a reminder of our project area, what we're here to talk to you about. This is an aerial view of Golden Gate Park. Um, Roads closed to vehicles. This is the current con configuration. Roads closed to vehicles in green. Uh, that represents less than 10% of the roadways in the park and also less than 10% of the uh, regular weekday parking area available within the park. Next slide. And so this is where we are today in the process. Um, we are in right in the middle of public outreach. And this is where we're engaging park stakeholders with a special emphasis on park institutions, disability and senior communities, uh, equity and priority communities, and neighborhood stakeholders and youth and family organizations like yourselves. And hopefully this is just one of many times when we can engage with you guys. Um, in the spring, we hope to take a full um, a full proposal before the Board of Supervisors based on everything that we've learned in the public outreach process uh, for approval. And we're anticipating March 2022, March of this year. Next slide. And so for the program proposals, number one, we wanted, we are proposing to revamp the park shuttle to make it more useful and accessible for everyone. So that'll, that'll involve uh, reducing lead times for the shuttle and adding some amenities to uh, shuttle stops. Improving parking, loading, and ADA access on Fulton Street between 6th Avenue and 11th Avenue. So that's adding some blue and white zones on the park side of Fulton. Setting up a new taxi stand inside the park and the music concourse. And that, that uh, relates just to taxis, just the yellow taxis and not to Ubers and Lyfts. Uh, next slide. To improve signage, to get people into and out of the park and to get drivers to the garage to install additional bike racks for dockless bike share and scooter share. Um, the proposals include permitting docked bike share stations in the park and pedicab service within the park, uh, both of which are not currently permitted. Next slide. And then as far as the alignments go, um, we've got a few to present to you. This is uh, the improved car-free route option at the east end. This is essentially um, as it is today, again, with the roads close to vehicles in green, shared roads in purple. Um, so th this would be maintaining it as it is today with, with the closure. This option prevents cut through traffic, enhances the park experience um, around that area for everyone. Again, there have been zero injury collisions since April 2020, so this reduces collisions, creates more reliable service on the 44 O'Shaughnessy, so access uh, from the Bayview through the park. Um, and just a note that 
emergency vehicles can still use the car-free space. Um, and also a note that we know that additional access solutions are, um, are needed in conjunction with this proposal. Next slide. And so we've, we've split the east and west end apart, but this is essentially uh, the same, uh, keeping, keeping it as it is on the east end of the park with road closures again in green. Next slide. Uh, the private vehicle access loop option is sort of a compromise solution, um, a compromise proposal which allows private vehicles in through 8th Avenue along and then westbound along JFK um, via a one lane road um, on the north end of north side of JFK. Um, this would return 1688 parking spaces on JFK near the De Young. Um, it would retain some of the safe streets benefits. Um, but again, it creates some delays for transit, reduces the car-free experience uh, west of 8th Avenue for obvious reasons. Next slide. And then this is the uh, back to how it was option. This is the no project option. So all, all park streets will be reopened to vehicle traffic, all parking spaces on JFK available, available for use as they were before um, COVID. It's, this induces substantial cut through traffic, as we know from experience, um, has, and it has impact on traffic safety, as we also know from experience, and creates delays for, for transit. And from there, I'll hand it over to Hava. Thanks, Alex. So thank you, Youth Commissioners, for having me. Uh, when Alex and I did a pre-meet um, before this meeting, uh, I, I said, I've been to the Youth Commission before, and I, and I had to go back in my calendar. I realized, I think I came in 2009. So I believe the Youth Commissioners were millennials the last time I came, and now, and now you're all a fully different generation. But I'm, and I actually want to say this was my first commission meeting that I ever presented at was in 2009. So the Youth Commission has a real special place in my heart as a direct result. So I'm excited to be back here. I also want to say that I've worked on many, many projects in that sort of decade, but this is one of the most exciting ones that I've gotten to work on. Um, just in terms of its complexity and, and sort of general public interest. So that's probably why I get to come back here is because you all are also interested in this. And so uh, I will say that um, in, in my experience as an MTA um, employee, I've never talked to more people or reached more people than I have through this effort. Um, we've engaged more than 10,000 people and that was primarily through an online survey, but it was certainly not limited to that. We also did site walks in the park. We had in-park pop-ups, so opportunities for people who were just passing by to learn more about the effort. We spent uh, workshops focused on just low vision blind community who uses a park in a very different way than um, those of us with uh, full vision would. Uh, we also spent a lot of time um, focused on those communities we, we had heard already at the beginning of this process were most interested in this project. Um, so that's seniors and older adults who have you, you know, more mobility issues and uh, needs different kinds of solutions than you or I might. Um, equity priority communities. So a concern we directly heard is that uh, black and brown communities don't feel welcome within Golden Gate Park and have trouble accessing the park itself, um, primarily because their neighborhoods are, all, are frequently further away from Golden Gate Park. Uh, monolingual communities, so especially Chinese speaking communities who are often predominant around the Richmond and Sunset, which is adjacent to Golden Gate Park. And we wanted to definitely talk to people who are already visiting the park. And lastly, is neighbors and merchant groups who have a vested interest. And so 
I have heard a lot in the last five months and I'm really excited to hear your feedback. And the majority of the people we've talked to kind of expressed this delight in how the closure of JFK has changed their experience with Golden Gate Park, that they're more likely to go there as a destination itself. They're more likely to bring their kids. They're more likely to bring their grandparents, um, that they feel like this is a really excellent addition to their San Francisco experience. Um, and so that is the predominant conversation that we've been having, but we've certainly heard other conversations. Um, this is uh, just when we did the survey, which was by no means the be all end all of our engagement, we did look at how we engage different age groups because we wanted specifically to hit youth and families. And so um, for those we did talk to for under 18 and uh, the 19 to 24 group, you can see how high the JFK promenade and the car-free streets were um, close to 70% for youth and higher um, for the generation just preceding you all. Um, so that, that kind of tells us how people responded. Um, and you can see it kind of drops off as people get older, um, which, which is understandable for sure. Um, and so to summarize that the, the sort of concerns and opportunities that we've heard, uh, it can kind of be bundled into like five buckets. So one is accessibility, so that there's insufficient blue zones for people who have access needs and drive. Uh, that there is a, many people do not even know that there is a shuttle that is intended to provide um, disability user access. Uh, and those who do know about it tell us that it stinks. And that is something that the departments um, have heard and, and primarily agree with. And we're taking some active steps to change that. On the equity lens, uh, that the transit service that goes to the park isn't sufficient. And that in general, uh, that we as a city need to make Golden Gate Park feel more welcome for black and brown communities. Uh, because this is a transportation study, we've heard about traffic and parking. And so there's concerns about traffic congestion. And there's also a general confusion around where one would park and how in Golden Gate Park. Um, and the sort of last big bucket is mobility, which was that people want joyful and wonderful ways to get around not by car within the park and that there are fewer of those opportunities. And so um, maybe adding a pedicab would be a great solution for that kind of bucket of issue. Uh, and then for other places on the car-free streets, because bicyclists are often silent and coming up from behind you or they're crossing your path and they may be going a faster speed than a walker, there's a little bit of concern about um, that, that interaction. And lastly, this is, this is pretty typical for most of our projects, but is uh, something we wanted to make sure that people heard, that people feel like this process is rushed and that they were reaching conclusions without sufficient data or sufficient outreach. So at this juncture, because we're kind of coming to you much later in this process, we've been kind of really in the depth of this for about five months, we're already starting to come to some natural conclusions and proposals that we're starting to vet. Um, and so we'd be interested in your feedback. Um, how can we do partnerships within equity priority communities? So we, uh, we're collaborating with um, specifically Hunters Point and Bayview and working towards that solution. Um, making transit uh, a better choice, and that would be through the 29 Sunset Project. Um, just in general, having better parking and driving opportunities. So like driving directions, I think only now tell you how to get to the music concourse garage in a useful way. Um, we're building and starting construction in about a few weeks of a fully uh, ADA only 
parking lot that will be behind the music concourse. If you know the band shell, it's going to be behind that, so kind of close to the ice cream truck. Um, we're also working with the garage that is not a city-owned garage to make some improvements within them. And I'm summarizing here. We're also working really hard on that in-park shuttle that I just told you stinks, and we're working with disability communities and seniors directly on how to make that better. Uh, and you can see a, a lot of other proposals. I don't want to belabor this because I, I think we have limited time, but it's taxi stands. I think many of you have seen our courtesy campaign already out on JFK that reminds people that they're in a shared space and to move with courtesy, especially if you're a faster user. Um, and we're working hard to, to figure out how to get bike share into the park. Um, and we're thinking about getting better access to the polo fields. Um, so if you've all been on the Western side and maybe you participate in a sports event out there, that parking lot next to the parking, the polo fields is kind of currently hard to get to and working on how to make that a little more seamless. So that concludes me and Alex's presentation. And we're really interested to hear all of your feedback. And um, if you have questions, I mean, this was a very short presentation over a project that we spent thousands and thousands of staff hours working on. And so, so there, you know, we'd be happy to expand more on any one of the, the pieces we've covered. Yeah. Um, I have a question. So could you go back to the slide talking about the um, in-park mobility services? This I one? Think, no, I, I think you passed it. It was like towards the end. Towards the end. Hold on, yeah. I'm getting there. Oh, two, or in-park, moving within Golden yeah. Gate Park. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are pedicaps like already a thing or would this be something that's new? Great question. We have, there's pedicabs currently on the Embarcadero. So if you think about like the Embarcadero, they're running between often uh, Mission Bay all the way up to Pier 39. And so they are on a, what's called a, it's a regulated route. And it's very interestingly regulated by the police department. And so something we're working on is having the route extend to Golden Gate Park. So that would mean, oh, you're a pedicab operator. You're now permitted to operate on these streets, which they currently are not. And then the other issue is that there's not, um, they the, there's no pedicab operator interested yet in working in Golden Gate Park because they don't feel like mm -hmm. there's a high demand. Yeah. And so we would need to come up with a solution to like, we may need to subsidize a pedicab or, or that might be a solution for Rec Park or MTA to consider is how do we offer incentives for an operator to, mm -hmm. to come on it? Yeah, so I'm curious, like, I know the 44 goes straight to Golden Gate Park and it starts in the Bayview. So like, is that included in this program proposal to just like consider transit only lanes for the 44 and like improve service for the 44 rather than like um, working more on pedicaps? I think it's an and, so it's not an or. None of these, I think that the idea is that as departments, we should be able to walk and chew gum. So, and I think we can. So the idea is, so pedicab is more within and 44 is more to, right? So I think that there's a distinguishing characteristic, which is the 44, as you noted, runs through Golden Gate Park. It's the only bus route that runs in the park. And interestingly, it was not a project goal, but it is a project outcome that the 44 is moving faster because it doesn't have to compete with car traffic in the park. So just to, I'm going to flip to a map right now, just so we can talk about it a little bit, but uh it's in here. You can see, I, I, I don't know if you can see my cursor and you probably can't, but the 44 enters via 8th Avenue. And then because there's no cars on JFK, it's able to do this boop, 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 boop very quickly. And it's seen a travel time improvement as a result of a car-free space. 
And so that is effectively giving it transit priority in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's an incidental outcome, but a really beneficial one, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons we are actually, that's why we say it creates delays. So we think that that we actually name it as a benefit. It's a more reliable service. So the car-free option is a more reliable service for the 44. Should we be improving 44 at the other ends of its route? Absolutely. And so that's a recommendation we can take back to our transit team as well. Okay, thank you. Um, I just wanted to give a little bit of input. Um, I actually live on the 29 route. So we would all very, I say we all, I think all of the students that I ride home with on the 29 that are packed in every day would really appreciate um, improved service along there. um, I also wanted to ask about the 8th Avenue um, sort of current not entrance. I think it's only being used for the bus and um, like uh, cabs and whatnot. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the... We currently, the... Eight, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be taking notes on my phone because I'm like, don't want to bring up a Word document and let, let you all watch me. So... Um, Currently, the 8th Avenue entrance explicitly prohibits everyone except Muni, and it's not explicit, but paratransit can also run right behind Muni, because wherever Muni can run, paratransit may also run. Okay. How has the public feedback on that been? I know that, I think Supervisor Chan sort of proposed an alternative that had that open, so I'm wondering what the feedback around that has been from the public. Um... I will say we did not hear, so there's two different buckets. One is that we've heard a request for taxis to be permitted um, along, uh, and that came primarily from the senior and disability groups that we've been working with, because for many of them, a taxi is a form of mobility and is a form of transit, and many of them can use it with um, what's called paratransit, so you can use a taxi instead of hiring a paratransit van. Mm -hmm. But that has been a specific request. Um, that we've heard from Senior Disability Action is um, to allow taxis priority access that they currently do not have. Um, And in general, I'm going to say as someone who's done quite a bit of the outreach herself and has heard a lot of the feedback, um, I haven't heard a specific request for 8th Avenue. I have heard a general need or concern around traffic, um, traffic and mobility because 8th Avenue used to be an opportunity for people to use the park to, to access destinations to the south or like vice versa. So 9th Avenue to 8th. And so I, we, uh, that is a proposal we're working with with Supervisor Chan's office. You know, we're, we're hoping to hear more information and, and work with them to make sure our solutions meet the, the need that they specified. Um, but for, from, the pers- from the feedback we've heard, it's very much less about 8th specifically and more about traffic congestion in general mm-hmm. and taxis in particular. So that, does that answer your question? Yeah, and I, my, my only last thing is like, in terms of how you've been collecting the data, do you know, it sounds like young people are incredibly enthusiastic about this project and I'm glad to hear that, but do you know how many people are represented in that? Like, do we have an idea of, you know, the numbers of people who have responded to this based on age group? Um, so the survey is really the only place where we have very specifics, right? Otherwise it was just like a pop-up and someone could talk and, mm-hmm. and we, didn't, we weren't gonna rec- 
you know, getting demographic information out of them. The only place where we collected real demographic information was out of our survey. And as I entered that slide, I realized I had not asked my teammate to write the absolute value. So I'm going to have to get back to you on how many, when I show you that, that 70% people represented, it, it didn't tell you like what percentage of the population of our total survey respondents were, did identify themselves as under 18. So I need to get back to you on that. I do think if I can remember correctly, it was a little, it was underrepresented and we were, um, that's hard. Uh, and I, you know, but the survey was just one tool. And so presentations like this are never going to count. But of course, right now, I hope that we are talking to 18 people who are, are in that demographic and that we're getting your feedback as well. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Shama and Alex for this presentation. It was really informative. I especially thought the data points were um, necessary. Commissioner Santos, you have a question? Yeah, I had a couple of questions. Um, well, firstly, thank you for the presentation. I think having um, more up-to-date information about this ongoing project and, and community conversation, I think is really important, especially as someone such as myself who lives in um, one of the impacted neighborhoods of the Excelsior. Uh, which leads me to one of my first questions is um, if you could speak more about like how improving reliability looks like and reaching out to the uh, residents of the Bayview and Excelsior neighborhood. Yeah, so the, well, so there's two, there's one project specifically, which is the 29th sunset that has been a project that our transit team has been um, working on. So that's, that's an independent effort. That's certainly not born out of our work, but it is something that because we've heard the access concerns, we're making sure we feed that back to our team to let them know like this is an important project and it's very important to you to for you to consider um, these sort of access needs. And so um, without speaking out of turn, because I'm not that specific 29 sunset project team, they'll probably use what we would call our transit reliability toolkit, which is um, bus only lanes, uh, transit priority signals, um, uh, making sure we're getting turning vehicles out of the way to, to help make um, transit more reliable. So the, the kinds of, you've seen, you might've seen our projects on like the full, on Fulton Street or trying to think of other reliability, One California. So we've, we've, the transit team has done a lot of these types of projects and their next focus would be on the 29th sunset. And so I'll make sure to make sure they engage this commission specifically. And then on the other side of the coin is, you know, what, what did the, what when we were working with these communities, what have they identified as what would be most meaningful to them? And so they kind of come in two buckets. One is uh, we um, we're working with a community-based organization in the Bayview, and they said, look, uh, a shuttle program that has programmatic elements. So saying like the shuttle is coming from Bayview and going to Golden Gate Park on this day, but it's not just here you go enjoy the park. It's also going to include. Um, tickets to one of the museums or the Ferris wheel or the carousel or some other programmatic element and making it meaningful to that community and making sure that um, those who are participating feel like they're getting this great experience. So that's one element of a solution. And then another thing that we've really heard is we've really heard you talking a lot about Golden Gate Park and we want you to focus on our parks in our neighborhoods as well. And so that's, so like, we don't like, you know, just the idea, and, and, I, and I can't speak for Rook Park, and I think, I hope Alex can chime in if you'd like, but there is a significant uh, emphasis at Rec Park on improving the parks in the east side and in the south, southeastern communities, 
and um, that an equity strategy is focused on that. So again, I'm, I'm speaking a little out of turn, but Alex, did you want to chime in on that, that side of it? Uh, I mean, yeah, just generally what you said is true. Um, Rec and Park has put a lot of funding into equity priority communities. And that, that's a specific metric that we've been looking at lately. Uh, thank you so much. And my second question um, is, or my second question that could possibly lead to feedback. Well, I do believe the data in regards to um, collecting of, of the opinions in regards to people's age, I do think it would be worthwhile and this is possible to collect uh, based on uh, where they where they live in in relation to uh, San Francisco because um, for a couple reasons I think the political or public opinions about certain projects happening within the Excelsior and Bayview they may differ from certain neighborhoods and districts within San Francisco and I think that um, would just solidify the work that you all are doing to have statistical information from the communities along with the personal anecdotes I'm a big believer in being able to balance both those things and to the point I heard you say about about, um, you know, uh, <laughs> the equitable focus about parks in, in the Bayview. Oh, we can also see your screen as well. Just oh, wanna... Did I pause? Did I pause no. here? <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I just completely <laughs> want to echo that. That is a sentiment that is I mean, deeply and greatly found in both the Excelsior and Bay Area. While the beautification of Golden Gate Park is amazing, I think that, um, you know, that um, political energy, that emotional energy and the financial energy should also be reciprocated in, in these neighborhoods as well. So I'm glad to hear that's something that is on your uh, radar. So thank you. Uh, we can see your uh, team's chat there. Darn it. Still, I hit pause share. <laughs> I think that mean it, it, it like pauses on the chat. So oh. maybe you should unpause and like go to the- I'm okay. I'm just gonna stop trying to chat at the same time. <laughs> Alex was gonna was chatting to me that um, we do have the demo, we do collect uh, where we asked people who participated in the survey where the zip code they live is and many people don't share but we do have that um, and if you're really interested in that we can go into it but thank you for I agree that we need to measure our anecdotes and our demographic the demographic data unfortunately only came from our survey so that's a real limitation. Thank you again for your presentations. Um, I have a few questions and then I can also open, reopen it up to questions. But my first question is, what does the timeline look between now and like six months or a year, or a few years? Um, just because, I mean, yeah, like what do you plan on? What do you plan on working on? And are there a few like markers or goals that you hope to hit within the next few months? Yeah, so I think this is where some of the concerns came in. So Alex shared that, um, you know, with the Board of Supervisor uh, that we closed the street under COVID. I don't know if we explained that specifically. And so that's under COVID emergency rules um, and, and because of the pandemic. Um, however, this street cannot remain in this in the form that you would see it in, in perpetuity. And so we need a decision by a legislative body sooner rather than later in order for us to decide whether the street should stay the way it is, some medium version thereof, a compromise thereof, 
or whether we um, need to just reopen it um, and re restore it back to that 2019 condition, which was, you know, open to cars, open to parking Monday through Friday, and then healthy Saturdays in the summer months, and then fully closed on Sunday. And so we, uh, so you're just one more step on uh, our um, expectation that we're going to bring a decision about what we call the alignment to the board of supervisors um, in March. And so hopefully you'll all be able to share back to your representative supervisor um, your perspective after this presentation. And uh, some elements of the ideas that we're bringing forward will have to be commitments by the departments as we bring that to the board of supervisors. So, uh, so it's a very, I think you said months or years. I think we're on a week's um, timeline, Adriana. <laughs> I think we're going to be making decisions on a, a rather quick basis um, in terms of public process, but um, we removed some earlier slides, but uh, for me, something that was new was apparently they've been talking about closing streets in Golden Gate Park for like 40 years. And so while it feels like a quick process, it's actually been like a 40 year conversation. And for those of you who are really bored and want to spend some you know, time Googling old documents, um, there were about four ballot measures on this in like the late 1990s, early 2000s that were all about like the music concourse garage. And so all of that predates my city staff experience and maybe all of your lives, but uh, it just tells you how contentious and, and um, interesting this space is. For sure. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Um, and just one thing as well, is this something that's happening in other cities or is this just a San Francisco thing? Like, is it common for have spaces where it is just for people to walk, bike, et cetera? I mean, I have, I have one example, but Alex and my rec park colleague, are, the, the good example is Central Park in New York that used to have, it never had parking, but it did have streets that cars were allowed to drive through. And recently they prohibited all vehicular use in Central Park. And, and I think that many of us think of Golden Gate Park as our Central Park. Um, but Alex, do you have other examples or? There's nothing that comes to mind that really compares to Golden Gate Park except for Central Park. I mean, that, that's like the perfect example that um, shows that it can be done. Okay, great, thank you. Um, commissioners, are there any further comments or questions? And again, if you have recommendations, um, please feel free to share them right now as well. Well, is there anyone who really dislike, like, is it, I mean, is there anyone who's opposed or, or, or for? I mean, I'm really interested. I mean, I, we don't often get to talk to young people. Or, I mean, you've all been very measured, which is maybe good, good news about your future political careers. But do any of you have like deep feelings or deep thoughts? I have a recommendation that I'm not technically a young person on the commission, but I remember this presentation last year um, and the conversations that other commissioners had regarding this matter. Um, and I remember something that a previous commissioner, Commissioner Calvin Quick had mentioned around like parks that are gonna be closed or 
um, when the whole conversation around the Great Highway was happening and like if it were to be closed, like what kind of amenities or resources would be really cool for the community to have. And one of the things that came out of that conversation was um, like having like, you know, on Sunset, how they have like those workout stations where like people who are walking on the street can do like some exercise or like, I don't know, do some sort of pull up or something like that. I think it would be really cool to like add some of that on the streets in Golden Gate Park and in other parks um, that are being closed um, for like community members to sit down or to like do some some extra mobility stuff or um I don't know, I think this kind of like where Park and Rec comes in and their creativity around like making parks fun, um, like maybe a sandbox or something that like involves um, the community or like engages the community to use their senses and like maybe like to get a little bit more active other than just walking or um, I don't know, adding some rails if people wanna do some roller skating, um, things like that. Those are things that we've heard from previous terms. So program the space more, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is great input. Um, I think this is this is step one in a longer process, right? This if if we do um, make uh, close JFK permanently, uh, that opens up a lot of possibilities. And I mean, yeah, really, really the potential is endless um, to think about things like you were just talking about. That's a great comment. Um, I just like to add if y'all are looking for like feedback, I am a hundred percent like in support of closing down or making JFK car free. Um, just because like I know a lot of my peers and I like to go there on weekends and just walk around. Um, my family does so as well. And I think it's more important, I think it's important to have open spaces um for people to, you know, get out of. The house, for example. Um, so that would be really nice. Also, um, with what Itzel mentioned earlier, I'm just wondering if that's something that you have considered before, um, or if that's something new, like having, you know, structures and things like that on the side of the road. I, th I think that, like Alex said, we're, we're, I think our step one was to have a decision about whether the street should be open or, or should, whether it should just like kind of restore itself to parkland as it you know, was intended. And after that, it's, um, it's programmed the space. That said, I will say we, uh, we are um, quasi-programming in some ways. There is um, something called, we've been doing a bike share accessibility pop-up event. So that, that was a few, that was, I think, three or four events in fall of 2021, um, which is to provide um, people with disabilities with um, a bike share that is specifically set up for them um, for uh, varying abilities and types. And that's called BORP. And when you ask me what that stands for, I don't know. So don't ask. And so that's the kind of activity we have offered is sort of, you know, new mobility opportunities. And then um, Alex may be able to speak more, but I also believe we're, there's going to be expanding of the roller skating, skate in place next to 8th Avenue. And so obviously, you know, the skaters are, are already sort of affording themselves the addition of the of JFK. But, you know, what could we do with more open space? That's an amazing question. And I think Rec Park will get to come back with once a decision is made. Great. Thank you.
Um, oh, I just a few points of feedback. Um, first, I'm very I I really like the idea of keeping JFK coffee. I think it's been a great um, community resource. Um, and I think that also as we've reopened, we've seen that these spaces were not just COVID community resources, that they can continue to be good resource, uh, good things to our communities. Um, I do, when you, when you talk about the compromise of having like a single lane go along JFK, um, I would say that that personally would uh, make me less likely to use that space. It kind of would make me anxious to be that close to vehicles, especially when, it's, when we're considering a park space, um, especially if there were not like barriers between myself and the cars in that space. Um, and I would also say, I think that it would be good to kind of present this to more young people across the city um, and get their feedback, whether that's visiting schools or um, you know, I think that we also, as youth commissioners, have some good uh, community connections that we can, you know, if, if you want to speak to other groups of young people, let, you know, let me know. Um, and I, because I just would be curious to hear other feedback from young people uh, across the city. Uh, the Student Advisory Council is an especially good organization to connect with as well. That'd be great. I had another recommendation. So um, I, in the, pro, in the program proposal, I was a little unclear about like the, the parking. So did you guys want to like bring in more parking in JFK or where did you want to add more parking in the park? Um, so the parking in JFK is a, a fairly complex like animal. Um, there's about six, it would, you know, we had a, a staff person go out a few years ago prior to this whole thing and, and counted all the spaces in the park and there's like 6,000 spaces. So when we went through the closure of the roads, so JFK and middle and some elements of MLK on the Western side, we did some math and it's about a thousand spaces were removed. But really mm -hmm. critical to that and the feedback we've heard the most about were 26 blue zones, right? And so that's, the blue zones are very limited. They um, have uh, things like curb cuts and um, paved paths that make it so that if you're a wheelchair user that you can easily use that space, right? It's not, you don't just paint a curb blue and say, please go ahead and use this. That That's not um, ADA accessible. Mm -hmm. And so the loss of those blue zones has been really stressful for many. And so uh, the, uh, not even part of our recommendation package because it's already moving along and, and Alex's colleague Dan is spearheading this is to immediately uh, create that blue zone parking area behind the band shell and that will probably add about 20 new blue zone fully accessible parking spaces where people want them the most which is right next to the two museums which is the mm -hmm. Cal Academy and the DeYoung. Yeah. But similarly, there's also a garage under the music concourse, which was news to me, which is really embarrassing that I did not know, but now I know. And so uh, there's a feeling that it's generally underutilized um, and that's sort of corroborated through data. Mm -hmm. And however, the city, me or Dan or, Dan or Alex or anyone else cannot just go to the music concourse garage and tell them to make changes. 
Um, right. They're an independent authority. And so we're working with that garage themselves to make their facility uh, more reasonably rated, priced when it's not full, right? Like lower the price if your garage isn't full, more people may use it. Yeah. Make it more obvious. Nobody knows that this garage exists. Um, yeah. So make it more obvious so that if you go to Google Maps, they'll tell you how to get to the garage, make the pricing more clear so that if your mom said, we're going to go to, but we, if we can't find parking <laughs> on the surface, we'll just go use the garage. It's only $5. It's okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, so all of that leads up to like this garage is kind is, is if we could harness the power of this garage to provide better, more affordable, great parking, then I think we would be able to solve for a lot of the concerns we've heard about loading and access. Does that, I'm sorry, that was a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, um, that answers most of my question. Well, like I don't understand most of the logistics with, behind like parking and garages and stuff like that. But like my input is that like, when there is more parking, more cars are coming into Golden Gate Park, which just makes it a lot more unsafe. And like, I know for me, um, I bike a lot in Golden Gate Park. So like when there's like a car trying to park, it's just like really unsafe. And like, I think in terms of the garage as well, like that would also make it kind of scary for like, since it would come on Fulton, right? Like the car would probably come on Fulton and like go to the music. Secret, um, secret commissioner went. There is a tunnel from 10th Avenue that gets you directly to the garage. I know. Really? Tunnel. Yeah. So I did not up, know. So go to Google Maps, go to 10th Avenue in Fulton, and you'll see a secret hidden tunnel that takes you directly to the garage. And then the, I know, right? Crazy. Yeah. So it's actually like the best parking in town. It doesn't interfere with your enjoyment of the park. Right. Uh, the other access point, the tunnel is like right at the Cal Academy. So if you think of the... Mm -hmm. Cal Academy and the ice cream truck next to the Cal Academy, which is apparently my reference point for everything, but it's a really good ice cream truck. Um, there's a kind of, you can see- It is really good. <laughs> I had it, yeah, it's really good. It's great ice cream, it's right there, you're so happy. So there's a tunnel there too. So there's two access points. One is 10th at Fulton and one is um, what we would call, it's called Music Concourse Drive right next to MLK. So that's, that's more accessible from the South. So yeah. I think the idea that what you're saying and I'm hearing is, why don't you tell more people about this really great garage so mm -hmm. they'll park there instead of interfering with people's enjoyment of the park? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think um, more outreach on these features that are super unknown would be super helpful for a lot of people trying to get on the park. Because I know for me, like when I'm trying to like bike through Golden Gate Park, it's like it doesn't tell you anything. So you kind of have to like go to the park and figure it out yourself. So yeah, I, I really love your guys's idea of like working with Google and Apple Maps um, to improve informational access to the park. And yeah. Hi. Um, so I can't have my camera on. It's a bit dark in my room and my it's just kind of a bunch of stuff. But I don't really have any questions. I just kind of wanted to say I do like having jfk closed but i am like still just kind of very concerned with a ada parking being one place in the park just kind of being stuck to that one area um i feel like for me personally the i think i'm reading this right the private vehicle access loop option that just like looks the best to me because the ada parking spaces on jfk is still remaining open um and like spreading it out and making it easier like more accessible to like more of the park 
that just kind of reads as better to me. Um, yeah, pretty much just because like, just like concerns arise with me with just like parents who are, who have a disability and have like kids, it's going to be a lot harder to like get on a shuttle with like three kids and their strollers and like toys and food and all that jazz. Um, rather than like keeping those spaces open. So like that option to me just looks the best. Uh, yeah, pretty much that's just what I want to say. Commissioner Santos. Yeah, um, well, firstly, thank you, uh, Commissioner Aliotto-Pierre, because I also kind of had a similar concern that um, I haven't, hadn't felt was maybe brought into this conversation. Um, I mean, as someone who lives in Excelsior, I, just to be completely transparent, I think while I completely understand the importance of making JFK, you know, car free, I just feel that there are a lot of potential, like, uh, for lack of a better word, consequences or negative impacts that it will have on D10 and D11. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the people who live here aren't even really fortunate, or not fortunate, literally just kind of privileged enough to be able to go to Golden Gate Park. And so when I hear this project, a lot of it does kind of feel like there are a lot of negative potential and like consequential negative impacts that are happening for a community that's not even really able to reap the benefits of this area. And again, to the point that uh, Commissioner Alligato Pierre had said, I think just like with parking and period, like if you're a family, like it's hard to find space. And if you have to have, not have to have, but if you are, are bringing children and, and strollers, and if you're bringing just literally anyone, and if you, and in, on top of that, a disability, it's just a lot of conditions that what, like people have to kind of fit into again for you know, um, benefits they don't even necessarily receive. And it, you know, like, I think if you're able to go to Golden Gate Park, that's an immense privilege. And I think you'll be able to go to various parks, right? The options for people who live in Excelsior and Bayview are very limited. So that's just kind of my transparent like, opinion of like, this does sound great, but at the actual practices and um, aftermath might negatively impact um, like Excelsior and Bayview way more than it would impact anybody else. Definitely. Thank you both, or thank you everyone for um, sharing all of your thoughts. I'll echo what y'all have said already. Is there anyone else who would like to add come? Yeah, Commissioner Aswa. Yes, um, I just wanted to quickly add on that I also do share the concerns that commissioners Valentina and Amara voice. And I also think that while, you know, this opportunity would be great for a lot of people. I do notice that it's a lot of energy and a lot of coalition building around something that I feel will only really benefit a fraction of San Francisco's youth. When we're thinking about in general, who in San Francisco regularly access JFK Drive. Like I know personally the people in my district and the people in the districts around me, like whether or not JFK Drive uh, stays um, car free or not will have a minimal impact on us because we're way closer to like the more urban parts of the city and I think that while it's important for you know these spaces of recreation to be available for kids I would like it to be a more citywide effort 
and an effort that starts with actual um and I'm sure there's a term for it, but neighborhoods that actually, you know, lack the green space needed for the for these recreational areas. And how do you, you know, with urban planning and whatnot, sort of integrate that into their neighborhoods? But yeah, that's just. I just want to say thank you to all three of you for for voicing those um, real and, and specific concerns. I think that the, that is definitely feedback that we've heard across the city from many different voices. And I'm glad that you're all representing your neighborhood so well. Yeah, um, I would quickly echo what Arsima said about um, making this more focused on San Francisco as a whole, especially with bike lanes. Like I think having bike lanes coming from neighborhoods like the Excelsior and also like Hayes Valley would be super helpful because for me you can bike in like certain parts of the city but not other parts so like it like I would have to like get on the bus put my bike on the bus and then go like on the bus all the way until Golden Gate Park and then I would be able to bike so I think just having like more interconnected bike lanes like connecting every neighborhood in the city and also like more interconnected public transportation networks because I know that like the 44 is one of the only lines that connects the Excelsior, which is where I live, to Golden Gate Park. And I think, like, if I'm also, like, somewhere in, like, downtown, I mean, in, like, Pacific Heights and I want to go to Golden Gate Park, I would have to take, like, three different buses. So just, like, connecting the city more um, as a whole through, like, transit-only lanes would be super helpful for, like, making this possible. Thank you everyone for giving your comments and feedback. Um, are there any further questions, comments? Okay, hearing none, um, I will call for public comment. So is there any public comment on this item? Seeing none, public comment is now closed. Um, so the presenters have asked for us to also make a decision on this item. Um, so are there any questions about anything further? Hearing none, um, is there a motion on this item? Oh, before we get to the motions. Um, do we need any internal discussion on this one? If you would like to add a comment, feel free to interrupt me. You and um, I mean, maybe this is a question to the presenters, but what exactly would you like us to support today? Just continued public outreach or a specific proposal? I think it could be anything that this group agrees on. So it could be, um, Feedback, I think that there was like sort of a range of, of opinions and feedback. So it could be that we support X proposal, but we want um, city staff to consider ABC in addition in exchange, you know, in exchange, yeah, as part of this package. It could be, you know, we're not ready to make a decision yet, but we want you to continue public outreach in ABC. I think it really could be anything. I think it. I just, you know, I feel like if this group, this group is very important, uh, we did say that we want 
to make sure we're representing youth in our outreach and you're all, you know, the city's representatives of youth. So whatever you're all comfortable supporting in a resolution would be what we would be. Yeah, it could be a letter of support. So if you're not, yeah, this is very on the spot. So I recognize that you do not have to make a resolution. So a letter um, to the board of supervisors and the mayor, it would be great as well. Yeah, and just to add on to what Chava was saying, um, you can all uh, make a motion to support the proposal as it is. You can make a motion to support the proposal with the stated recommendations um, that are reflected in the minutes. Um, and then you can also, if you wanted to take your advocacy a step further, um, hearing what some of you, I think it was Commissioner Santos, Asfa, and uh, Wynn, who were saying that you wanted more um, more of like that of these efforts to be focused citywide versus just in Golden Gate Park. Um, you can do some sort of budget advocacy with that. So when we go before the Budget and Appropriations Committee um, next month, um, you can advocate for a specific amount of money to be um, to be focused on on other parks that are not just Golden Gate Park. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, I don't know. It's sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, the only thing that's like kind of confusing me with this proposal is that it's like a million little things. So I can't really like wrap my head around all of them just now. Um, but yeah, more time is definitely helpful. I'll say it sounds like we're all quite supportive of the public outreach that you guys are doing right now. Um, so I'd be happy to make a motion to sort of support that and also sort of advise to continue doing that, especially focusing on younger uh, people in the city and seeing how they're impacted by this. Um, and then I also, you know, this is not an issue that's going away. So once we have more time to look through the specifics and all of that, um, as well as here, sort of more specific proposals from you all, we'd be happy to, I think, give our opinion on that as well. I just wanna quickly add though, like a point of concern for me is historically, anytime the Youth Commission has voted to like support something with recommendations or hesitations about other points. So in this case, like if we were to support, you know, creating this recreational space, but we were to, add the recommendations of like focusing on um, parks in like as Commissioner Oswa said like more urban generally urban areas um, those recommendations are often you know put to the side or swept under the rug so I don't know I, I think it's um, difficult especially considering what has happened in the past but is there anybody or is there anyone who would like to add to the discussion or we can move on to um, motions? Um, I have a question. Could we make recommendations on the process? Like I know Commissioner Santos was talking about how um, she feels like there's not enough public outreach or like representation in the Excelsior. So could we like write something separate for that or would it be a part of what we're already working on? If you want, if you have specific recommendations, you can include them in your motion. And I noted down almost everyone's comments um, while you all were talking. So 
you can do like a motion to approve with set of recommendations. Um, but if you feel like the discussion here today doesn't capture all of the commission's recommendations, then the commission can draft like a separate resolution uh, where you're urging like park and rec and SFMTA um, with the following recommendations when you have more time and research. Got it, thank you. And I think I just wanna be really clear about our timeline. So um, I believe somewhere towards the end of February, um, the project team will be making staff recommendations to the MTA board and, and the Rec Park Commission and the Board of Supervisors will probably hear this somewhere around March. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, at this point in terms of outreach, you know, I would, I would just love those recommendations so I can reach out to any groups that you would like us to talk to right away. Um, and if this group isn't ready, I think it seems like you need a little more information um, and maybe there could be follow-up presentations in the next week about um, how Rec Park addresses equity priority community work. Because I think your feedback was, um, you know, we want you to, if, if this is something you're moving ahead with, we also want to understand how much you're doing within equity priority communities, especially, you know, MTA, I, I cannot speak for them, but, but Rec Park could certainly um, follow up with that. So maybe it's, it's less about a resolution and more about um, follow-up presentations and conversations that you want to understand before taking any steps. Yeah, I just dropped a couple of links in the chat there. Uh, one of them is the community report from 2021. So, um, and, and the other one is uh, the actual bond measure and what sort of investments um, Rec Park has been engaged in over the last year and, and what we're planning in the future. So there's a lot of information there to look into if you're, if you're interested in that. But we can certainly provide more. Thank you for dropping the links. I think we can all take our time to look through them. They look really helpful. Um, further comments, questions? I'm not hearing anything else. Um, so I've heard some commissioners mention that they would want more time, um, others saying that they were ready to motion. So I will just call, is there any motion on this item? And uh, Itzel, just double checking if there is no motion, I can just move on. Um, yeah, if the commission doesn't want to take a stance on it, but you can also take a motion of no position at this time until you have further information. It sounds like nobody has any motions. I'm not hearing any motion. Um, 
go ahead sorry i was i can make a motion and feel free to correct me if the language isn't right uh so motion to yeah not take not take a stance until we get more information so second Santo second okay thank you Commissioner Osva motions to take no position on this item until we have more information seconded by Commissioner Santos. Staff, can we please get a roll call vote? Yes, and just to clarify, the commission wants more information on like the equity analysis portion. Okay. Um, yes, so roll call vote beginning with Commissioner Tanaka. Um, it might be that Commissioner Tanaka is having tech issues. I can kind of hear you. You can put it in the chat, Jaden. Um, okay, we'll come back to you. Commissioner Aliado Pierre. Aye. Commissioner Shu. You come back to me. Yes, Commissioner Ospa. Hi. Um, I don't know who that is, but can you mute yourself? Thank you. Um, Commissioner Listana. Hi, hello. Yeah, hi, I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Commissioner Lestani, Commissioner Zhang. Hi. Commissioner Fret. Commissioner Oyagata. Aye. Commissioner Pimentel. Aye. Commissioner Wynn. Aye. Commissioner Hum. Aye. Commissioner Barker Plummer. Aye. Commissioner Santos. Aye. Alrighty, the motion passes. Thank you, staff. Um, now that this motion has passed, well, thank you so much to Shaba, Alex, um, and other staff for coming and presenting. Appreciate your time. Um, I will hand off the chairing to uh, Commissioner Oswald because I do have to hop off, but staff, can you please call item six? Yes. Um, thank you again, uh, Chava and Alex. I appreciate you all coming and I'll be in touch with you all with the recommendations that we noted down. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Alrighty, uh, item number six is Youth Commission business. All items to follow are discussion and possible action. Item 6A is inform and decision. This is a second reading for resolution number 2022-AL-06. Uh, this is a safe firearm storage resolution. As a sponsor, we have Commissioner Barker Plummer. And as a presenter, we have Commissioner Barker Plummer. Please see document C. And Commissioner Barker Plummer, you don't need to read your whole resolution um, into the record because you already did that. 
but you you can just state what new edits you added into your resolution. Okay, great. Uh, the only two additions are, let me see if I can find, oh, page one, line 24 through page two. Oh, sorry, page one, line 20 through page one, line 25, um, both specifically discussing the disproportionate impacts of gun violence on BIPOC teens um, and people of color. Um, that's the only change. And I think I went through my reasons for this yesterday. I'm happy to um, reiterate some of those. I can also answer any questions that the commission has, um, if anyone has any questions. But also, it's still telling me what I'm supposed to do next, so. Sorry. Um, yeah, so because this is a second reading, no major amendments can be made. Um, so right now, if your peers are like reading through your resolution and there's like a grammatical error or like something needs to be underlined or something needs to be capitalized, like you can make those um, edits now. Otherwise, um, they can ask you more questions. Um, if there's any discussion, like, because you will be taking a vote on it. So if folks are unsure of how you're voting or you want to know more about um, why Commissioner Barker Plummer added those edits or anything pertaining to uh, their new edits, you can ask now. Um, and if there's no discussion, then the chair would move it forward to a motion. Itzel, could you repeat that um, for the feedback if it's not something, uh, what, so not, if it's not substantial or? So, yeah, so um, no substantial feedback can be given at this moment because it is the second reading. Um, and if there is substantial feedback and Commissioner Barker Plummer wants to implement it, then it wouldn't get approved today. It would need to come back for a third reading, um, which that hasn't happened in a long time. I've never seen it in my time, but it, it can happen. Um, but if you also like wanna share, if you already know your, how you're gonna vote, you can also share that in the discussion. Um, of course, you're not obligated to, but it would be helpful. Did that answer your question, Commissioner Santos? Yes, thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll just say I'm very supportive of this resolution. Um, unsurprisingly, uh, you know, gun violence in our schools is an incredibly important issue. And, um, you know, I, I know it's difficult to talk about, but this is a part of a, a national uh, movement of student activists, uh, which I'm proud to be a part of who are advocating to send home these letters from schools to inform parents of, uh, in our case here in California and San Francisco, their legal responsibility um, to keep firearms securely stored so that uh, young people cannot access them and either intentionally or unintentionally hurt themselves or others. Uh, if no one else has any, Thing. I don't want to interrupt anyone, but, and I don't think this is 
a substantive change. So I think you will be able to do this, but I would recommend just adding like one quote or one line just about how gun violence affects um, how gun violence and gender intertwine because you mentioned because you mentioned race, which is obviously important, but also, you know, um, how do you say this? Gender minorities, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you know what I mean, are at a disadvantage when it comes to gun violence. So yeah, I, I think that's still in line with the rest of your resolution. So I hope that's not too big of a thing. So that's just my one, that's just my little two cents. I would, um, oh, there's a little check mark. I would, oh, can I make that go away? Oh, there we go. I would concur with Commissioner Oswald just to add that uh, gender gender lens as well, just because as we know, race is, race is a factor and so is gender and the intersection between those as well is obviously undeniable, but all in all, I think it's a really, um, really important and powerful resolution. So thank you. Uh, and it's so can you confirm if adding that would that would not count as a substantive change right if it's one line no but if commissioner barker Plummer, you realize you're finding yourself like adding more than one sentence then it would count as a substantive um amendment i can keep it to one sentence when yeah I just Make it fan like a fancy long sentence, like yeah. semicolons, uh -huh. dashes. Does anyone else have anything they'd like to add? Or if not, any confirmation that you guys are ready to move on to the next part, which would be voting on this resolution? I feel comfortable moving forward. Um, and um, I would feel comfortable also, if I can, uh, Commissioner Asfa, uh, create a motion. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think there's no other opposition, so go ahead. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Santos motions to approve the gun safety resolution presented to the commission today. Commission Commissioner Wynn second that. Thank you. So Commissioner or Commissioner Santos motions to oh sorry. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You can um you can finish what you were saying and then before you call for the vote, you can call for public comment. Okay. Sounds great. So Commissioner, Commissioner I do not mean to um backtrack, but uh and staff please um chime in as well. Should I have included with the uh, recommended with the recommendations? 
Okay. Yes. So then I will cancel that. And Commissioner Santos motions to approve the resolution, the gun safety resolution with the aforementioned recommendations. Commissioner Wynn, second that. Okay, so motion to support, approve the resolution with the aforementioned uh, recommendations by Commissioner Santos, seconded by Commissioner Wynn. Before we take this for a roll call vote, I'll open it up for public comment, seeing there's no public comment, or is there a public comment? There is. Is there a public comment on this? Okay. How, how does that work? <laughs> May I just uh, raise my hand? Yeah, you would raise your hand and then um, the chair would then call on you. Once the chair calls on you, time will okay. start for two minutes. Fantastic. I'm trying to raise my hand. There I am. Raising All right, go hand. ahead. Oh, go go ahead. Oh, oh go ahead. I'm like, is, it, is, it, is that being called done? Hi, everyone. My name is Amy. I just um, wanted to say thank you so much for having an open comment portion of this meeting. I've never attended a youth commission meeting before, and it's quite impressive and inspiring to hear all of you weigh in with your personal opinions and uh, collective opinions representing your communities. Um, I'm the Student Demand Liaison Lead for San Francisco's um, group uh, supporting students who are working against gun violence in San Francisco and, and, and wildly enthusiastic about this resolution and so grateful for you all and for the work that um, you and, and you others have done to put this together. It's beyond comprehensive. We've been working um, with other groups in San Francisco, youth groups and um, parents and school groups to try to get something like this um, more consistently represented in school language and community outreach. And have yet to been able have have yet to be able to create something as comprehensive as this resolution. Um, and it was also grateful to hear that uh, the gender recognition and consideration added today. Um, and just want to say thank you. And I wholeheartedly support you all trying to make San Francisco safer for students. And um, given that, in particular, students are now. Um, Gun violence is the, the leading cause of death for youth in America. Um, and that's obviously a tragedy and a travesty and keeping guns safe and having them stored safely and securely is an incredibly effective way to reduce gun violence and gun deaths for youth. So thank you for this. That's all. Thank you so much for that public comment. Um, I can just move into the voting part, right? Okay, so staff, can you please take a roll call vote? <clears throat> um, yeah, give me one moment. Uh, beginning with Commissioner Tanaka, I know you were having some um, internet difficulties, but if you could add your decision into the chat, that would be great. Um, 
And while you do that, I will move on to Commissioner Alioto Pierre. Aye. Commissioner Shu. Um, can you repeat the question? Yeah, this is a roll call vote on the motion that on Commissioner Santos' motion to approve this resolution with the recommendations stated above. That was seconded by Commissioner Wynn. Sounds good. All right. All right. Commissioner Oswald. Aye. Commissioner Listana. Aye. Commissioner Zhang. Oh, is not here anymore. Um, Commissioner Fred. Aye. Commissioner Oyagata. Aye. Commissioner Pimentel. Aye. Commissioner Wynn. Aye. Commissioner Hum. Aye. Commissioner Barker Plummer. Aye. Commissioner Ketubig. Aye. Commissioner Santos. Aye. All right, and then going back to Commissioner Tanaka. I'm not sure if you can hear us. I just texted him, but seeing that he hasn't responded, I don't think that he can. Um, nevertheless, the motion still passes. Congratulations, Commissioner Barker Plummer. Congratulations, Commissioner Barker Plummer for passing this resolution. And I'm excited to see more resolutions to come by our newer members. So yeah, thank you everyone. And if that's all stuff, can you call the next item? Yes, item number six, B is uh, inform and decision. This is motion number 2022-AL-07. This is motion to support the letter of the Student Advisory Council's list of demands to ensure student safety and well-being during um, the ongoing public health crisis. As a sponsor, we have the executive committee and as a presenter, we have Commissioner Listana. Please see document D. Uh, yeah, so I'm... Um... Yeah, this motion is pretty much just like supporting the safety and well-being of students during the Omicron surge. Um, yeah, but I'm going to pass it to Arisima just to share some like background info for the motion uh, before reading it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Gabby. And when I'm done, feel free to add on whatever you want until or right before you start reading it out loud. So this motion was kind of came to during last exact meeting where I asked a question about how our schools are responding to COVID, specifically the uh, recent surges that have been happening both within San Francisco and our country at large. And a reoccurring, or different reoccurring things that we saw were sort of how we felt our school's institutions um, were a mix of private and public school kids. So how our school's institutions had a lack of regard towards our health um, with in-person learning and how rigid it is in terms of not offering any hybrid options for different reasons for private and public institutions. And just overall putting a lot of pressure on us as individuals to protect ourselves in a pandemic where we're not necessarily given the flexibility or support that we need to maintain our health and the health of our loved ones. And because of that, we wanted to write this motion in support of the 
letter that the Student Advisory Council wrote specifically about SFUSD, but also just talking about San Francisco at large because, you know, we believe that private schools should also follow this motion. So that's why we wrote this letter. And Gabby, feel free to add on. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you summarized it perfectly, just like what the goal of the letter was and stuff and like background info. Yeah, but I guess I'll read it now. Um, do we start from the Dear Board of Supervisors part? Okay. Dear Board of Supervisors and Mayor London Breed, the Youth Commission um, urges you to take, or YC urges you to take action on student safety during the pervasive rise of the Omicron variant in our San Francisco schools. Students, especially those from public schools, have felt unsafe due to the lack of communication and lack of compromise in learning systems for students. Students deserve to be part of the decisions that are impacting their lives. The student survey conducted by the San Francisco Unified School Districts, SFUC, Student Advisory Council, SAC, revealed 57.9% of students felt unsafe or somewhat unsafe attending school in person, which constitutes over half the student survey pool. Well, only 14.7% of students would feel unsafe or somewhat unsafe during virtual learning. The schools require for students to be present in person. It is crucial that SFUSD, charter, and private schools create safe structures, provide adequate personal protection equipment, PPE, and testing kits to teachers, students, and school staff. We urge you to consult with students, teachers, and unions to pass policies that keep everyone's safety a top priority. The Youth Commission is a body of 17 youth from San Francisco between the ages of 12 and 23. Created by the voters under a 1995 amendment to the city charter, the commission is responsible for advising the board of supervisors and mayor on policies and laws related to young people. The youth commission or, or the YC is also charged with providing comment and recommendation on all proposed laws that would primarily affect youth before the board takes final action. Additionally, the YC set forth in motion um, 2021-2021 dash al-09 to interpret section 4.124 of the city charter as requiring the board of supervisors to refer legislation related to the city's relationship with sfusd to this body for comment and recommendation provided that such legislation also meets all existing criteria for youth commission referral as defined by the city charter the ic supports the demands of the sac as stated in a letter sent to superintendent matthews commissioners of the board of education and sfusd administrators on january 9 2022. we stand with the findings of the student advisory council in providing a hybrid option so that students are able to stay healthy and safe without sacrificing their education if hybrid learning is unavailable we also stand with sfusd excusing the absences of students who cho choose to stay at home we also agree that there should be more communication and transparency to SFUSD students regarding testing options, recommendations, and resources for safety. As we enter a world where the short-term impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic become increasingly clearer while the long-term effects remain unclear, it's important that we take measures now to ensure the well-being of all young people, especially, especially the city's most vulnerable youth. Thank you for your attention to this urgent matter. That's the letter. Yeah. So y'all have like any questions or comments about it, please share. Thank you, Gabby. And just a reminder that because it's a motion and not a resolution, we only have to read it once and it can be passed today unless, um, unless you know, there are any substantive changes that need to be made and also correct me if I'm wrong. So 
Thank you. So yeah, open it up if there are any questions, clarifications, comments, recommendations, etc. Um, I have a question as I'm looking over the document. Um, well, more of just kind of a inquiry to to both of you than actual like I guess feedback per se. But was there able was there any statistics that were able to kind of break down um, like within the within public school students? Um, because I know for I mean just personally and also just um, historically and just within the news that communities of color are you know rightfully so even more kind of concerned. Um, so is there anything that you all were able to find about that? Um, oh, Arsima, if you want, I mean, from my knowledge, um, like, like the letter that was like sent by the student advisor council, council, which is what we base like most of our motion on. I don't think it really talked about like, like the population of like, like how many POC, or POC people responded to the survey and stuff. But if you want to add anything or anyone else in exact. Yeah, I'm looking over the letter right now, and I don't see any mentions of race and how that sort of affects people's responses, which I think is sort of a downside of this. I think also the survey that was sent out was anonymous, so that might have been why they didn't collect that data, but I'm not Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, thank you for the for the um, information about the anonymity. That makes sense. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I, I still think it's really good. I mean, obviously, there's always the um, the merit of being able to specify within um, marginalized communities and their identities, because then that just solidifies the importance of being able to have an equitable focus. Um, and I was able to look at the uh, letter by the Student Advisory Council. Um, so all, all in all, it looks really good. So thank you. Thank you, Amara. Would anyone else like to add anything or if anyone is ready to um, move on for to call for a motion, et cetera? And while you guys are thinking about any motion or any recommendations and whatnot, I will call for public comment on this item. Is there any public comment on this item? Okay, seeing no public comment, public comment is now closed. Amara, back to you. Yeah, um, if, if this is a document that, um, we can give feedback on. I would maybe, if we can't necessarily find statistics about how stu uh, public, public students of color are feeling, perhaps there could be a statistic around uh, maybe just, what is it, uh, like cases or, or contraction to COVID and just kind of the, the connection between race and class, just to, again, solidify the point that um, if we don't have an equitable focus and marginalized communities such as black and brown people and or low income people will be impacted the most. Um, 
So that's my one piece of feedback, I would say. For clarification, like adding the statistic on COVID contraction rates in San Francisco uh, within ethnic communities, like at large, in the sense to kind of connect that to how, you know, if ethnic communities in San Francisco at large are getting COVID at a higher rate, then of course students will be because they're a part of that. Yeah, um, I think that my intention with giving that feedback, which is kind of a mere pl placeholder, if we're unable to find the direct uh, statistics of how students of color are feeling, maybe we can just kind of create a more, uh, what is it, uh, like a statistic and we can make inferences, and imp not in implications, but inferences from that, if that makes sense, if that's something that um, you both feel comfortable adding and making that connection with. Yeah, thank you for the clarification. That's something that I definitely feel comfortable adding. And yeah, I think it's definitely feasible to add and would not take a bunch of time. So yeah, thank you for that suggestion. Um, this isn't necessarily more feedback, but if no one else has anything, I feel comfortable moving uh, forward and taking a motion. Thank you, Amara. And uh, so just for, um, okay. So confirming that in, if we were to incorporate Amara's uh, suggestion, we could still pass this on this motion. I don't know if that makes sense. Okay, thumbs up. So I think it'll be good. So yeah, I think on that note, are there any motions to be made on this item? And please, whoever makes a motion, remember to incorporate the recommendations that we mentioned. Uh, Commissioner Santos motions to approve the letter with the recommendations of the racial statistics of uh, contraction in San Francisco. Commissioner Shu second. Uh, motion to pass the motion. That's just an annoying phrase, motion to pass the motion, but motion to pass the motion with the aforementioned recommendations on providing um, race and equity data in or incorporating race and equity data into the letter seconded by Commissioner Shu. Staff, can you please take a roll call vote on this item? Yes. Um... I, Commissioner Tanaka, again, if you can hear us, just add it into the chat. Um, Commissioner Alieto Pierre. Aye. Commissioner Shu. Aye. Commissioner Ospa. Aye. Commissioner Listana. Aye. Commissioner Frett. Aye. Commissioner Oyagata. Aye. Commissioner Pimentel. Aye. Commissioner Wynn. Aye. Commissioner Hum. Aye. 
Commissioner Barker Plummer. Aye. Commissioner Katubig. Aye. Commissioner Santos. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Tanaka says aye via the chat. This motion passes. Thank you everyone for passing this motion and we will make sure to get those edits in by the time it's due. Before I call for the next item when we enter our resolution writing workshop, I think that we should all just take a really quick five minute break to recharge considering we're going to be entering a whole nother workshop. So yeah, right now it's 6.47. So please everyone be back by 6.52 and we will start then. Cool. Thanks, Arsima.
Okay, it's 6.52 now, so everyone should be coming back. Um, I think technically, because I didn't call the item. Uh, staff, can you please call the next item? Yes, item, I'm just trying to figure out something, sorry. You're good. Okay, um, item number seven, or no, still six. Six C is inform and discussion. This is a resolution and public comment training. And as a presenter, you have myself. Adriana was gonna help me out, but she had to go. So it'll just be me. Um, nonetheless, it will still be fun. Um, so if you're a returner, you've already seen this it'll be a good refresher um also if i'm like going through the presentation and you're like it would be helpful for um other folks to know this or um actually you're forgetting something else i encourage you to chime in and share your input um i will be covering the basics today um and we will also be talking about um, public comment. So um, things that you can expect to get out of this um, little workshop training is you uh, will be able to understand the key legislative concepts. Um, you will also learn how to write a resolution and you will also learn how to give strong public comment. Um, and before we jump into the actual content of today's workshop, I'm gonna share a little bit of what you can expect. Um, so since we'll be covering two buckets of work, uh, first we'll be talking about resolutions and like the different types of policy that exist. Um, we will also be covering public comment, um, what makes a good public comment, um, what are your rights um, as, well, in this body you are public officials, um, but it's also helpful for you to understand what are the rights of folks who come and give public comment at the YC meetings. And then it's also helpful for you to know your rights um, when you're giving public comment to different bodies. So we'll be talking about that and then we will debrief and close. So I won't take you all, it won't be a really long presentation, um, but hopefully it will plant the seeds of information and data that you need to start creating your own resolutions. Um, and if you have more questions, of course, you can ask them during the presentation, um, or you can email me separately, or you can email a returner um, who can also share from their personal experience. And if you do have questions as I'm going through, you can go ahead and ask them. Um, maybe just raise your hand. And if you're noticing that I'm not calling on you because I can't see you, um, just feel free to interrupt. Um, are there any questions before I get started? All right, seeing and hearing no questions, I'm gonna go ahead and move on. So first and foremost, what is policy? Um, and I'm gonna ask you all, what do you know about policy? If you were to define it, how would you define it? And you can volunteer yourself and just unmute yourself or if I don't hear from anybody, I will be forced to volunteer you. 
Uh, I don't know if I can provide like an official definition, but when I think about policy, I think about legislation and just like official legal documents that sort of dictate what you're supposed to do or what you're not supposed to do. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, policy is essentially a law. So uh, more formally, um, Arsima's definition was great. And also it seeks to enact goals believed to be in the best interest of society. So that can be anything around like providing clean air, or clean water, or basic human rights, or improving literacy, education, employment, safety, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then one thing that comes out of policy is legislation. So legislation is technically any formal action that is taken by the Board of Supervisors. Um, and the Board of Supervisors does this in three different ways. So an ordinance, a resolution, and a motion. And the Youth Commission has the power to enact which two out of the three. Um, the resolution and motion. Exactly. Thank you, Commissioner Santos. And the reason for that is because ordinances um, are law. So if, we, if we're going to talk about what the difference between an uh, ordinance and a resolution is, um, ordinances are laws that affect San Francisco residents, and they can only be enacted by the Board of Supervisors or the voters during um, elections. Um, I can give you some examples of ordinance, but first I'm going to poke your brains and see if you all have any examples that you can share off the top of your mind. The appropriation ordinance. The appropriation ordinance. Yeah, did you ask for an example for an ordinance? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's an example. Another example is like an ordinance that requires all of San Francisco to begin composting. Um, if the Vote 16 um, initiative, when the Vote 16 initiative passes, I should say, um, it will be a city ordinance, it will be law, and there are consequences um, to when the law is not followed. Um, and that can be in the form of, of uh, like fees, you can pay a fee, or um, sometimes it results in like jail time, depending on how severe your crime is. Um, also depends on the color of your skin, um, as we know very clearly. Um, and then on the other side, resolutions, um, which is what the Youth Commission does and what we all have the power to do in this um, commission, um, they're just uh, pieces of policy um, that are urging but not requiring somebody to do something. So for example, when uh, the folks who were just here, SFMTA and SF Park and Rec, um, a few of you were saying that they're not doing enough uh, studies or putting enough efforts um, across different communities in San Francisco to understand like what are the barriers behind SF residents not really utilizing park space or um, being able to access Golden Gate Park in general. Um, that is something that 
would go in a resolution. Um, a resolution is also a formal statement that is identifying a problem, um, a situation or an issue, and then you are following um, that statement of a problem with an argument about how to fix the problem or a situation. Um, they are non-binding statements of policy. So what that means is that it's not law, um, whereas an ordinance, if you don't follow the ordinance, there are clear penalties for that. Um, for a resolution, it's more so like symbolic um, and you are recommending a legislative body officials or a department to take action. And a resolution can be enacted by or created by uh, the Board of Supervisors, other boards or commissions um, in San Francisco um, and pretty much everywhere in this country as we are operating in a democracy. Um, so basically a resolution is a description of a problem or a situation that is then followed by a suggestion as to how to correct it. Um, so I know that resolutions are often seem like very intimidating for folks because it they look very lengthy, they look super um, like rigorous almost, um, and you, it's like what like what do I do? How do I format it? The formatting part I would say is probably the hardest because you have to get the spacing correct, um, but in essence, anybody can do one, especially you all, because it's just how you, when you're writing a paper and you're trying to defend your argument, this is essentially what you're doing in a resolution. Um, and a resolution can also be a statement or a declaration as to what the Youth Commission believes pertaining to a certain matter or policy. Um, are there any questions about that before I move on? I have no questions. All right, thank you, Arsima, with the verbal cues. Uh, moving on. So um, like I mentioned earlier, and, and today's uh, Youth Commission meeting is a perfect example of this. Um, we had an example of a resolution and we had an example of a motion. Um, based on your own personal experience and without me having to explain it, yes, the answers are on the screen, but I'm gonna ask for your participation. Um, what is the difference between a resolution and a motion, just based off of today's meeting alone? And this would be great if it would come from a non-returner. A resolution is a piece of, not necessarily legislation, but sort of something, a, a, a written up position that the commission is taking, whereas a motion is sort of something, someone moves a motion to adopt a resolution or you know do something else. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, Ewan, um, resolutions and motions are actually policy, like they are legislation. So all of you, you wrote a resolution, all the folks who, who drafted that motion, all of you are, are considered um, policy writers. So I would go ahead and write that into your resume, although it may not seem like it. It's like who on a on a larger scale, who else your age is is doing this kind of work. Obviously there are other youth commissions and other youth groups, and I'm not knocking down their work whatsoever because it's all equally important. However, um, being part of the youth commission does make you um, a decision maker in a sense, and you are all policy writers once you, once you write a resolution or draft a motion. And what I would add to your response you in is basically that emotion, like you just said, is um, you're, when you're writing a motion, you're not advising anybody to do anything or um, 
or anything of that sort. You're basically just saying like the youth commission is in support of this or um, specifically like um, the motion that was on today's agenda. That was, it was speaking to the board of supervisors and the mayor because basically the youth commission was saying we agree with SAC, but SAC was urging um, the board of ed, uh, the superintendent, the district and other city or public school administrators to take action on a matter. And so the youth commission was saying, yes, we agree. Therefore it was a motion versus a resolution. Does that make sense? Okay, thanks Ewan. Um, thanks, Samara. Okay, cool. So I'm going to take that as a sign that we can move on. And we're going to go ahead and do an example, as you'll see soon. Um, so here it is. Let's do an activity. Um, so we're about to do an activity together. Um, but before we do that, we do need to identify a problem. So we need like to figure out what the topic of our joint resolution is going to be. Um, so if there's anybody who has an issue off the top of your head, now would be the time to drop it in the chat. So I'll give folks some time to like think about it. If you have an issue area that you wanna see us uh, do a resolution on, go ahead and drop it in the chat. And before we start the activity, I'm just gonna take this time to explain to you all kind of like the, the little, what would you call it? Like the template per se of um, how uh, resolutions are drafted. And so we call this root to fruit. And so um, we're using a tree as kind of um, a symbol to help organize our ideas. And so at the bottom of the tree, um, you know, it's it cemented into the earth through roots, right? That's how it like gets its nutrients. That's how it's able to grow big and tall for years and years and years. And also trees have a lot of history in them because they've been alive for so long. And so trees, they say that trees hold a lot of wisdom and like, I don't necessarily know how to interpret their wisdom, but I can definitely feel it. And I totally respect trees for that reason. Anyway, root causes, um, we're using the roots as a symbol for like what has caused this problem. Um, and so the root causes would be, you know, years of systematic racism. It would be depending on what our issue is, of course. Um, it would be like, uh, oh, sorry. It would be like in 2016, Donald Trump um, banned um, or wanted to end DACA or something. It requires something specific, right? But you are, you're explaining like what has happened in history and in present time to lead up to the issue. Um, and then the trunk of the tree is what you're identifying as the problem. Um, and I see Amadeus, you put in the chat, undocumented workers unable to work in the United States. Um, so that would be kind of like your issue area, right? And then in a moment, I'll show you like where we would put the trunk part into a resolution. Um, and then we have the leaves and like the fruit and everything good that grows out of this tree, uh, which we identify as the solutions. Um, so what are the resources, stakeholders or partners um, that can help solve the problem. And so if we're transferring this over to a resolution, and by now I'm sure you all know that when you read a resolution, it says, whereas X, Y, and Z, whereas X, Y, and Z. Um, all the whereas clauses are your root causes. So whenever you see a whereas clause, it is 
then followed by um, a statistic, um, by some context and background, history, um, anything that has, has led up to creating this problem. You're basically setting your, your argument up as to like why people need to care about this, um, why it needs immediate attention. Um, and then your solutions are your therefore be it resolved, further resolved. Those are all the resolved clauses. Um, and then I think after that, I feel like writing a resolution becomes a little bit more um, approachable once you take out like that legal jargon stuff that can be a little bit confusing. And so uh, when you're thinking about like what solutions you're offering, um, you also want to think about like who who else needs to hear this, you know, or like what perspective can I include in this resolution that maybe me or my peers can't speak on? Um, for example, if you're writing a resolution on like support, supporting incarcerated folks or like formerly incarcerated folks, if you yourself don't have any personal experience with being incarcerated or anyone, you've never seen anybody in your family be incarcerated or, or you don't really have any direct um, experience to that, um, to that situation, it's probably, not probably, it's best to get the input of somebody who either has that direct experience or who works on, um, or who works with that population. So if, and I'm gonna pose this question to prior TJ folks, if we're writing a resolution on um, supporting formerly incar incarcerated young people, what stakeholders, uh, community partners would we want to get their input from? Anybody from TJ? Sorry, can you repeat the question? Yes, if you, if we're writing a resolution on um, supporting formerly incarcerated young people get access to housing, what organizations or stakeholders would we wanna loop into um, to have our resolution read through or offer any feedback that may be folks on this commission can't give because they don't have personal experience on that issue? Uh, well, in terms of housing for youth, I think there's, uh, I always mess up this department's name, but something like Department of Houselessness and something, something. Supportive housing. Yes, that one. And any sort of, um, what are they called? Navigation centers. And I know Larkin Street Youth does a lot of work with helping kids find housing. So those are the first ones that came to mind. Yeah, but who helps um, who helps these departments make up solutions or create programs? Who are the people, who are the community orgs that these departments work with or rely on actually? Oh, like, you mean like community orgs like Larkin Street? 
yeah, like Larkin Street, or I'm thinking about um, the SF Freedom, the Young Women's Freedom Center, who works specifically with uh, formerly incarcerated female identified folks. Um, There's also like a program called Underground Scholars who works with uh, formerly incarcerated people who are trying to get back on the track of higher education. Um, also in your, in your personal life, if you know a young person who is, yeah, Casa Justa, Just Cause, who also works on um, incarceration issues. Um, basically, you want to get the input of, you don't have to, but it's best practice, right? Like if you want a well-rounded resolution, it's best to give um, to include the input of other folks who are on the ground, um, especially when you're recommending something to the Board of Supervisors and the mayor, right? Um, maybe they have like a specific request um, that they need support in. Um, and it would be great if they had the support from the Youth Commission um, to put added pressure on a specific supervisor or on the mayor. Um, does that make sense? Is that a clear connection that I'm making? All right, thanks, Arsima. Um, okay, so then basically this chart is also just kind of explaining to you what I what I said and putting it into words. Um, the issue is the major focus. The roots are what caused the issue. This is your context, your background, your data, your research. The leaves and the branches are all of the things that you're recommending. Um, and you, and or the way that you see this problem being solved. Okay, so now we're gonna go ahead and do our, um, our little activity. Um, so I think Amadeus, you were the only one that listed an issue area. Um, and this was undocumented workers unable to work in the United States. Um, so if we were gonna, put this into a resolution, it would go right here. Um, and then now what I'm gonna ask for you all, um, and maybe I'll put you into groups um, to kind of encourage more group sharing. Um, Cause I'm noticing that a lot of you aren't really speaking to me but you'll probably speak to each other. Um, is in, in your groups that I'm gonna put you in in a moment, um, I want you all to think about, um, to pick apart the issue, right? And so, um, now that we've identified the issue, we need to go a bit deeper and to get to the resolution, right? So the goals for your, what you're doing in your group is to discuss um, the solutions, maybe like tease out what caused the problem. Um, and you don't need to, you're not going to create the resolution in your group. The only thing that you're doing is you're, you're going to brainstorm what the problem, well, you already know the problem. You're brainstorming what the root causes of that problem are you're creating two or three bullet points um, for the root causes, and then you're brainstorming different solutions for 
this uh, problem. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna put you into groups and then I'll also put the task in the little group chat so it'll disperse to everybody. Um, and let me know if you have any more questions. Uh, but for now, you'll probably be in groups of three to four. All right, talk to you soon. Uh, sorry, I had to use a bathroom really fast, but what are we doing right now? <laughs> no worries. Uh, I believe you are in... Um, oh, you were in room four with Amara and Emily. Um, basically, what we're doing is you're going into your groups and you're identifying the root causes of... Um, of the issue laid out and Amadeo suggested uh, the issue being undocumented workers unable to formally be employed in the US as the issue. So in your group, you're brainstorming the different uh, root causes and also identifying solutions. Okay, thank you. I'll mm -hmm. join now. All right, cool. Hello. Sorry, I was muted. I'm just popping in to see if you all need any help or clarification. I think we're good because we're just brainstorming right now, right? Yeah, you're brainstorming the root causes of the issue and brainstorming um, solutions for the issue. And you want to have like three to four bullet points for each. Okay, gotcha. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, do you have any questions, Vanessa? Um, no, I don't have any questions right now. All right, cool. I'm going to go pop into other groups. Okay. Hey, y'all. I'm just popping into different groups to see if 
you all have specific questions or need any clarification. And so um, I don't know much about this issue, but I'm, I'm doing like side research and then I was going to share like what I think some of the root causes are. Okay, great. That works. Uh, what about other folks? Do you all know what you're doing? Gabby says thumbs up. Steven. Okay, great. All right. I'll see you all in a few. So we have three ideas for possible solutions. Um, expanding workers' rights, workers' protections. I heard work pieces, ITIN counting as work authorization in the US. What else? What else did we have to do? Oh, I think it was to grant them like a work visa for them to be legally work here as well as to be subjected to uh, protection of benefits. I'm also curious like what locally can be done in San Francisco specifically. Like I know that I mean, frankly, the youth commission will be more effective calling for change on the San Francisco level than the federal level or the state level. Um, but I'm still kind of thinking through. I, I also feel like anything that SF can, can do might have already been done, but I'm thinking through that as well. There are no barriers here. Think big and think large. I'm thinking um, San Francisco residents are can also be issued an identification card for the city, correct? Um, I don't really know what you can do with that, but what if that was um, able to grant access to employment here? Um, just because I think the issue is with identification and work authorization. I, what if what if those uh, residency cards? Oh no, wait, no, that that does no proof of. Proof of living in San Francisco, I think that's what they're doing. Ah, man. What if we just like expanded DACA for all of them? Yeah, for the, all undocumented folks, regardless of age or when they came into the United States. Yeah, I mean, there would have to be some limitations on that, but that feels like a pretty good solution to a lot of the issues we face right now. Yeah, because essentially what, like, a re we know that a resolution isn't law, right? Like, and, and to be honest, like, how many times does the Board of Supervisors or the mayor, do they pick up an actual resolution um, from the Youth Commission, right? And I don't say that to be, like, discouraging or negative, but I do say that, like, so that your, your mind won't have any limitations on it. Um, like, there are obviously we live in a world where like yeah realistically like what can legally be done and like what will elected officials also push for and also knowing that youth are often at the forefront of a lot of social justice issues and and young people are often one of the most radical groups of people in the world when when trying to think about like solving social issues um like what are some of the solutions that you see removing bureaucracy, removing um, politics aside, like what are practical and humane solutions 
um, to be able to get humans who happen to be undocumented um, able to work in the United States. So don't think about it too hard. Cause again, this is just practice, but I say that to just kind of like maybe remove some of the limitations in your head. Was that helpful? Yeah, I think that was, <laughs> that was honestly. Okay, yeah. cool. So you all have like uh, two more minutes. So just kind of like wrap it up. Um, again, not anything detailed, but just something to be able to share with the rest of the groups. We, we're just supposed to think of solutions, right? Possible solutions or anything else? Um, yeah, like brainstorm possible solutions. And also if you can identify some of the root causes of, of what has led for undocumented people to be unemployed and why are undocumented people even considered undocumented? Good point. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm gonna move on to another group. Hey y'all, I'm just doing little rounds to see how folks are doing. Um, or if you have any questions. Yeah, we were just talking about how some of the, yeah, um, Emily put some of it in the chat. I don't know if you can see it, but talking about a big part of this problem is capitalism and how, you know, even when docu undocumented people get hired by businesses, they don't, the businesses aren't the ones who suffer. It's the undocumented people, despite you know, businesses will willfully hiring them and how the law kind of lies with corporate interests and just how strenuous and time consuming and expensive and inaccessible the documentation process is in general, which hinders uh, undocumented workers to be able to formally work in the country. And in terms of solutions, we were thinking big picture and small picture. Obviously, big picture would be, you know, ending capitalism and not having this whole long documentation process, but in terms of things that are within the Youth Commission's um, toolkit and what we can do, because we're the Youth Commission, so we have to focus on youth, is focusing on, you know, making sure DACA, DACA residents, in, or yeah, DACA residents in San Francisco have a sort of different expedited process in terms of getting a work permit so that they can be employed and creating different uh, city funded programs that give DACA youth internships and employment opportunities that would not, that, you know, in other cases would, in other programs and other situations would hinder them. There are documentation status would hinder them from participating in those programs. Yeah. I definitely agree. And you brought up a good point that I didn't mention in the other group with folks that resolutions, at least in the Youth Commission, should be youth-centered or should be speaking to a youth issue. Um, so please mention that when we're sharing back. Sounds good. Um, but okay, it sounds like you all know what you're doing um, and you pretty much have it done. So I'm gonna close groups just cause we're out of time. Um, so I'll see you all in the big group. Oh, I didn't mean to click it that fast. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so awkward when that happens. I think you're muted. Yeah, it was. How often does that happen? Um, 
But okay, I think everyone is coming back if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it looks like everyone's here. Um, so because of time, I'm not gonna have everybody share out like what you all talked about in your group. And I did pop in into some groups. So I think everybody was on the same page and talking about different things. Um, one thing that I did wanna mention that Arsima reminded me of that I hadn't mentioned earlier in this training was that when, um, when we're writing resolutions or when you all are writing resolutions, um, because the Youth Commission's um, focus is on addressing, um, or your charter duty is to, to recommend and speak to the unmet needs of young people in San Francisco. So whenever you're writing a resolution, um, you want to be able to speak to the effects that it has on young people in San Francisco, because that's where you all have jurisdiction in. Like you can mention the impacts that your issue has like on a national level, maybe even global, but you always want to bring it back to how it's impacting young people in San Francisco. So if we were to look at the issue area of undocumented workers unable to work and unable to, I think it was formerly work, Amadeus, you had said, um, uh, formally be employed. To formally be employed in the U.S. Um, we would put like undocumented youth workers to be formally employed in the United States of America. Um, and then one thing you always want to do is that whenever in this part of the resolution and in this one, you never wanna have any acronyms. You always wanna spell things out. Um, you can start using acronyms throughout your, um, throughout your resolution. So what we're gonna do now is um, I'm gonna go, I didn't put you into group numbers, but I'm just gonna pick on you randomly. Um, and if you don't have the answer, you can ask your teammate to share. Um, but we're gonna go through and then just fill in this resolution together. Obviously it's not gonna be the our, most thorough. Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, no, our groups had numbers if people remember like the breakout room number. Oh, okay. I think there was four groups total. So I'll just pick a random number between one and four. Um, and then folks from that group can help fill in whatever the request is. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through this resolution and we're gonna do live, we're gonna create one live, right? Um, Again, we don't have, I know some of you were trying to do some research on the issue and we only had like five, six minutes. So it's not going to be the, the most accurate um, resolution, but I feel like we all have a pretty well-rounded understanding of how undocumented people are impacted in this country. Um, so we're going to lean on that. And um, if you're doing this, if we were to do a real resolution, we would also do like more thorough research. Um, that maybe some of the other commissioners can speak to in a moment when I ask you all to share. Um, so beginning with the root causes, which are the whereas clauses, what are some of the root causes that you all identified in group number two? And the folks who were in group number two were uh, Valentina and Vanessa. Um, I can share. Sorry, I honestly just had no idea what group we were like 
group number was. Um, so for we're sharing root causes, right? Mm-hmm. So the root causes that we came up with for like our top three were just fear of others and that just kind of phrase that a lot of people use in the U.S., which is just immigrants taking other people's jobs. Um, and then another one is the protection um, protections for undocumented workers. All right, I wrote that down. I'm doing that. Yeah, I did. Um, just kind of like, oh uh, yeah, just I don't. I'm sorry. I forget what I was supposed to write down. I just have protections for undocumented workers. Um, and then another root cause was um, some people also in the country have the argument that. And again, I'm not very educated on the subject, but that um, when undocumented people are working, they aren't paying their federal taxes. So that like means like income taxes. So they aren't paying for necessities that they, or not necessities, but just kind of benefits that they may receive from it. Honestly, I'm not totally sure if that's accurate. I don't, I'm not very educated on the subject, um, but yeah. Those were our root causes. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I would say that those those things that you laid out, um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I was clear when I said like what are things that have caused for undocumented youth workers to not be able to be formally employed. But what you were speaking to of the stereotype that, you know, that immigrants or people who migrated to this country are taking like like citizen jobs, um, that could be something that you add to a resolution um, as more of like an anecdote that should then be followed with the information to demystify that. Although we know that that's not true, um, we wanna support that with data. And then also um, speaking to your last point, when when Undocumented people work in this country. If they have, um, I think it's called the ITIN card, or if they're a DACA recipient, um, they do have. They will. They do pay taxes because that that money is is cut out. Um, what sucks is though that they don't reap the benefits of paying their taxes because they're not considered citizens. So I would also um, I would add that with the follow up of like um with why undocumented workers deserve to be able to pay or to be able to work with a social security card or add in a solution where undocumented workers receive um tax breaks at the end of the year since they are tax paying um workers or laborers in the country um uh, Vanessa is there anything that you would want to add no, Valentina um, said everything we talked in the group. Okay, cool. So if I were to summarize what you all said in your group, like, whereas undocumented, I don't know why it is capitalized. Okay, we'll just roll with it. Whereas undocumented youth pay 
you would spell out the US. And then that's followed and whereas, um, and folks in room three, what are some root causes that you all identified? I think I was in group three, but the main one yeah. that we said was foreign and immigration policy. Um, that is against, that's like anti um, undocumented people working in this country. Or should I say anti-people that aren't born in, from this country able to formally be employed? No, I think I think the first um, way you said it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So then this would read as like, whereas foreign and immigration policy has, histor has historically made it increasingly difficult for... And then um, what I would do following this sentence would then be like the next whereas clause would then be followed by um, where you're mentioning the specific foreign policy and immigration policies that have made it that difficult. Um, either you can like add it in the next sentence or you can go back and make the sentence stronger and reference um, the specific policy that you're thinking of. And what about group four? That's Amara, Arsima, and Emily. Is there anything that your group came up with for root causes? Yeah, we mentioned also just in general how hard the process is to actually gain citizenship and be documented, especially when you're a youth and you've come here without like you didn't necessarily I mean it's hard for everyone but also you know when you're living with your parents and you're under their purview and you want to be documented the process just takes a lot of time and money that a lot of undocumented people just don't have yes Yeah, and then following um, that statement that you said, Artsima, I would then follow that up with another data point of like how expensive, like what are the actual numbers um, that undocumented folks or undocumented young people have to pay to file um, to file their paperwork if they're a DACA recipient or just to be in good status um, to have that ITIN number. Um, so this is kind of like the flow of how we would start the whereas classes. Does this make sense to folks? Like the process of adding um, the, the process of adding kind of like the first half of a resolution. Okay, so I see Ewan and Sahara saying thumbs up. 
um, and our SEMA, and I'm assuming other folks aren't speaking, so this makes sense. Okay, great. So now we're gonna move on to the resolved clauses. So um, back to shouting out groups. Um, group number one, that's Gabby, Isaiah, Sahara, and Steven. What are some solutions that you all came up with in your groups? Um, so we didn't really go too in depth into the resolutions, but we decided that there should be a system in which like undocumented citizens shouldn't have to have like a permanent address in order for them to get their jobs and they shouldn't have to go through like so much of the bureaucratic stress in order to get jobs, if that makes sense. Like they shouldn't have to have workers permits essentially, which is weird, but yes. Okay, perfect. Um, is there anybody else from that group who wants to offer a solution? Okay, coming back to group number three, that's Amadeus, Ewan, and Harry. Are there any other solutions that you all came up with? Yeah. Um... One of them was uh, for that ITIN number that we mentioned um, to count as a form of work authorization. Um, yeah, just for that ITIN to count as work authorization because employers, they ask for social security and that's uh, with that they're able to obtain benefits uh, such as paid, paid time off, um, uh, vacation, holiday, sick time, et cetera. Um, but ITINs, since, since ITINs are used to pay these taxes as well, they should also count as work authorizations. Um, so that's one. I don't know if my team wants to share any other ones that they said, but that was one. Cool. Thanks, Amadeus. Is there anybody else from that group who wants to share anything? All right, and then bringing it back to uh, group number four. That's Amara, Arsima, and Emily. Uh, we also talked about, we're, for further resolved, we discussed creating different uh, programs specifically for undocumented youth for uh, giving them employment slash internship opportunities that are paid and I mean logistically I don't know how this would work but it would offer them the resources they need without you know the documentation that a lot of other programs ne necessitate yeah that removes the barriers of an ITIN number um, or social security number. Right, we don't know the specifics of it because again, we're doing it on the spot. Um, but this is just to show you like what the flow of it would be and to demystify how difficult resolutions can be. Like essentially we all created one together. Um, maybe it's not the most accurate in data, but we have at least a skeleton to go off of. Um, does this all make sense to folks? 
kind of like of what the process would be. No, yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, can you just like clarify a little more on the difference between resolved and further resolved? Oh yeah, that's a good question. There is no, there's no difference. Um, essentially what the different, well, if there is one is just that the first resolved clause um, just says resolved. And if you see here, it'll be now therefore be it resolved. And then the further resolved is just kind of like a technical thing um, that because you already said it once, you're you're adding more recommendations. So like further, further conclusion or further solution is one way that you can think about it. There's no difference though. It's just a technicality. Does that make sense to you, Emily? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, any other questions that folks have? All of you feel confident in knowing how to write a resolution or at least what the steps are. For, for like the, the issue parts where you have whereas before the statement, how much do you normally have to write for those parts? Um, like right here? Yeah, like how much do you have to write before you move on to saying whereas again? Um, I, I wouldn't put like a number on it, but I would say like you want to have been able to explain your issue and um, given enough data to prove, to improve like the ram or to prove the ramifications of it or like the seriousness of the issue. Um, so I wouldn't say like you need six whereas classes or anything like that, because it's kind of hard to say, but the more you have, the better you are at explaining your issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Can I yeah. ask what the technical word is? Like, is that a clause for like one whereas? Yeah, that's one clause. Okay, mm -hmm. I've been using that correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you would also say that for the further resolved clause or the first resolved clause. Um, and then obviously when we have um, like a resolution that has already been, like once it's a formal, once it leaves like the brainstorming um, station of it all, um, you can then send it over to me and I, I can put it into that tedious format where you see the lines on the side or if you're like seriously interested in how to do it yourself um I can teach you how to do it I just can't teach you on this computer because it's a Mac and it's not compatible with Macs you would need a PC for it um but if there is interest I can do that on a separate time and maybe on an individual basis um but for the sake of time I do want to get you all out of here at least by eight so I'm going to go ahead and move on um, to just discussing public comment. And I think public comment doesn't need like a whole lot of explaining because it's a lot more simpler. Um, the formatting and the template of it all is a lot more simpler than a resolution is. Um, and unlike a resolution where you require data, public comment, you could include data in it, but it's mainly your own personal experience. So um, just to kind of give some background as to like, what are the rights of the public? Um, and this is also good for you all to know when the public joins our meetings as they did today and in previous meetings. So obviously the public has the right to attend. Um, we can't discriminate an admission like 
we can't say like, oh, we're a youth commission and you're an adult, therefore you can't attend. Like we can't do that. Um, we also have to make our meetings accessible to disabled persons um, or differently abled people. And um, this is a good question for me to think about how we're making our meetings accessible to folks who have different learning abilities. Um, because as of now, oh, you know what? At the end of our um, of our agendas, we do have like that long clause that says if somebody from the public needs specific um, needs specific like uh, requirements to yeah yeah what was the word Ewan accommodations is accommodations that yes if they need specific accommodations they can contact our office or the clerk of the board um, to get those accommodations met for them. Um, and there's no precondition to attend. So we can't be like, you have to read our agenda or you have to attend committee meetings before you can attend the full youth commission meetings. We can't do that. We also can't charge people to attend. That's kind of obvious. Um, something that does feel a little bit weird is that, um, um, is that people have the right to record. Um, so we record our meetings um, like every time. And if you go to our website, you'll find the audio recording of it, but the public also has the right to record photo, film or audio. And then we also, we're not obligated to provide people the equipment to record that. Um, the right, uh, the public also has the right to receive agenda materials. And so um, this was a lot more tangible when we were in person, but if we were in person, I would post the agenda outside of our youth commission office. Um, and down on the second floor. And then the agenda still goes to the public library and it also goes to the mayor. And then they kind of like place it in their respective um, areas where the public has access to it. Um, and then further rights of the public is that they have the rights of the speaker. So they have equal time, they can be anonymous and they also have the freedom to criticize the public body. And then the one that you're probably the most familiar with is that the, each public person has the right to comment. So on each agenda item before discussion time and before action is taken. So we do call for public comment um, on items that don't require a decision um we don't actually do this all the time if it's more of an internal matter um but we should um but yeah this one's the one that you all see all the time um and then we also are uh mandated to have like a general public comment section in our agendas and so do the so does the board and so do other commissions across the city um and then the limits on public comment that folks have up to two minutes on an item and the up to is kind of put into quotations because the chair and the commission kind of has the authority to shorten that or extend that as they see fit over um, the 2020 uh, quarantine pandemic that we're still in um, when there was a lot of um, protesting happening for the defunding of the police department. A lot of folks were organizing to um, speak to their decision makers to let them know that SF residents feel a certain way about defunding the police, whether that was in favor or against it. Um, and the Board of Supervisors actually limited public comment up to one minute instead of two because there was over 100 people on a call. Um, also, uh, folks who are giving public comment need to, they can't speak off topic unless they're like 
speaking in general public comment, but that still means that they need to speak to something that the Youth Commission has jurisdiction over. Um, they also don't have a right to disrupt. And then I don't think a lot of folks this, know this one, but um, if you call on public comment, somebody gives public comment, the commission actually doesn't have to respond to them. You can actually just be like, all right, thanks for your public comment, bye. You don't even have to say that at all. Um, yes, questions. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I just took a drink of water. Um, so it's not like anyone can come and just like talk to us about anything. They can't like get up for two minutes and be like, I don't like cheese. Um, and then would you like then cut them off? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we would, um, I would cut them off or the chair would cut them off and we'd be like, actually, like if you're going to give a public comment, it needs to speak to whatever the youth commission has jurisdiction over. And the youth commission has jurisdiction over, um, advising the board of supervisors and the mayor on the unmet needs of young people. And if they're not speaking to that, then they get cut off. Okay. I was under the impression anyone could come and talk about anything, not that they Sure, no, 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 no. It it could happen, but no, at least not now, I don't think. And obviously now that we're virtual, we have a little bit more power to just like kick people off or kick anybody who's like disrupting the meeting um, versus if we were in person, we would then need to call like security and have a bigger ordeal happen um, if that is what was needed. Are there any questions on the rights of the public and the limitations of giving public comment? All right, so if there are none, I'm gonna move on to what are the components of public comment. Um, first and foremost, you wanna identify and locate yourself. Um, and these components are specifically to you all who are commissioners and who will be giving public comment um, in the future or in the near future. So whenever you are giving public comment, you wanna state your name and you also want to identify the district that you live in or your ties to San Francisco. Um, and um, yeah, that's basically it. You can say your age, but you don't have to. Um, and if you are speaking to like a certain issue that relates to like public schools or schools in general, or has something to do with the safety of young people, um, you can say what high school you go to. Um, you also wanna ground your public comment and personal experience. Like what is your personal connection to the issue that you're, you're speaking to? Um, because in public comment, what you're saying, you're basically given the opportunity to share your opinion or share how a, a body should make a decision or how you would want that body to make the decision on, depending on what the issue is. So you want to be grounded in personal experience. Have you been personally impacted by the issue? Is a family member personally impacted by the issue? Um, if we're talking about Muni, like earlier in the presentation, Emily, you were speaking to how you're a bike rider and not having adequate, adu adequate um, bike lanes that um, kind of like merge together or connect makes it really difficult for you. If you were giving, if we were to give public comment on closing down JFK, once this goes to the board of supervisors, you would wanna use that experience in your public comment. Um, and you also want your public comment to communicate your values, right? Like, what are you speaking to? Are you speaking to more equity? Are you speaking to more, um, to more like funding on a specific um, issue? Are you speaking to like 
San Francisco has committed to, um, you know, finding different outcomes for incarcerated people. Um, what are like what what is it that you're speaking to? Is it equity? Is it justice? Is it um, I don't know, like allowing more people to have more financial freedom in, in this city. Um, and I'll give you some examples in a moment. And then lastly, you wanna have a clear ask to the decision maker. Um, you wanna make sure that in one sentence, you're able to, your last sentence should be like, I urge you to, um, I urge the board of supervisors to vote in support of or vote against, et cetera. Um, so those are kind of like the main components of public comment. Um, and I'm gonna show you two examples in a moment and then you can tell me which one is better. This is example A and um, Vanessa, can I have you read this out loud? Um, yeah. Hello, supervisors. My name is Teddy and I'm calling to demand that Muni be free for all SF residents. I'm tired of paying for gas on top of other expenses in the cities. Cars are also bad. They contribute to bad environment. We need clean air. Thank you for your time. Cool, thank you. And then I'm gonna ask maybe uh, Amar, if you can read the second one. All right, if not Amara, can we ask maybe Stephen? Yep, I can go. Uh, example, Commissioner Arana, District 9. Um, good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. My name is Ar Ariana Arana, and I am a 70-year-old youth who resides in the Mission District of San Francisco. I currently serve on the San Francisco Youth Commission as a District 9 representative. In my, in my capacity as Youth Commissioner, I urge you to support the legislation to set the rents at no more than 30% of income in all permanent supportive housing sites and to make funding available to implement this by the 2021 to 2022 budget cycle. Especially with the current pandemic we are experiencing, it has been increasingly harder for tenants to be able to pay rent and attend to all of their other needs. No one should be having to choose which basic necessities they have to sacrifice for a month. Reducing rent to no more than 30% of folks' incomes give them the extra money they need for things like paying off bills or purchasing groceries. As a youth growing up in the mission, I have seen firsthand how difficult keeping up with rent can be. It is time we start taking concrete steps to, to prevent housing insecurity and to support folks going through it. Thank you for your time. Cool. Thanks, Stephen. Um, so now I'm posing this question to everybody. What are the major differences that you see between example A and example B? Um, there's statistics in example B. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot longer. Amara says more personalized and direct. Yep, exactly. It's also giving the personal experience. Um, oh, go ahead. Explaining background. Um, obviously, the commissioner is speaking on sort of in her position as a commissioner, but just sort of explaining who you are and why you matter 
or have a specific opinion about this is important. Yes, exactly. Jaden also says more portrayal of personal values, and Emily says that the second one connects personal experience to the position. Yes, exactly. So I think you all kind of under, you understand what is a good, what makes a good public comment, and then what makes a strong public comment. Because example A, like, I guess it's not terrible, but if you were a public official, like, which one would sway you more? Example A or example B? I'm pretty sure it would be example B. Um, so that is kind of the gist of like the public comment aspect of it all. It's not rocket science. It's definitely easier um, after the training or after today's meeting, I'll send over kind of like, um, I had shared it before the best practices for public comment. Um, and I'll share this with you all in a moment. Um, but that concludes our training. Um, and to kind of close this out, um, you don't have to answer all three, but I will ask that maybe two or three people from the group share um, some of your responses. So in your own words, how would you describe a resolution? Was this activity able to break down resolution writing for you? And what questions do you still have? So I'm just gonna call on folks um, and I'm gonna pick Sahara. Yes. Hello. Um, yes. So a uh, resolution is a suggestion to your, um, <clears throat> your fellow policymakers, which could be your super, uh, your board of supervisors, the mayor, um, and your fellow commissioners. Uh, I guess it's a suggestion on how you'd like your city to be improved on a local level. Um, and then yes, very much so. It was able to break down a resolution uh, writing for me. And uh, I am curious, what happens if you start writing a resolution, uh, just for the third questions, what happens if you start writing a resolution and then while you're writing the resolution, the problem you are outlining via the resolution is resolved? Um, you can still, um, you can still write the resolution. It, at that point, it would then just be more symbolic. One thing that I didn't mention is that also writing a resolution gives um, the Youth Commission kind of like the, it lays out the groundwork and kind of like the, the legal aspect to have Youth Commissioners advocate on or lobby their supervisors or other decision makers on whatever issue it is, right? So for example, now that we passed the gun violence resolution, Ewan um, can go speak to his supervisor and be like, hey, like the youth commissioners approved this legislation. This is an issue that young people across the city care about. Um, what are you doing to support um, gun violence or something like that? Um, and then if the issue has already passed, then at that point, it would just be symbolic. It doesn't mean that it shouldn't happen because, again, like it can also create precedent for maybe another issue in the future that's going to happen. Um, so it's not a total loss. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to pick one more person. Um, what about Amadeus? You don't have to answer all three. You can just answer one. Um, what was this activity able to break? Was this activity able to break down resolution writing for you? 
Um, yeah, no, I would say I kind of got the gist of it, the word as, and, and that. Uh, I think the exercise were very helpful. I feel like I'll probably come up with more questions or when I actually start to practice it on my own. But right now, yeah. It was. All right, cool. Thank you for sharing. Um, and I will pause there because I know it's already eight o'clock. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the back end of writing a resolution. Um, if you have more questions, um, you can ask me or you can ask other returners who also have the personal experience of writing one. Um, and if folks have other questions, I see Amara put a heart. Something tells me that she wants folks to ask her questions. Um, <laughs> so please uh, talk amongst each other. Um, I have some more updates I'll share when we're going through the rest of the agenda, but for now that concludes the resolution and public comment training and I will pass it back to um, Commissioner Ospa. Thank you so much, Itzel, for that training. You did a wonderful job. And I would just like to echo what you said about um, the returners being here. For, if, there's, if anyone ever needs help writing a resolution, if they want support, if they want co-writers, if they just want someone to you know, help them brainstorm an idea. Uh, I know I speak for myself that I'm very... Um, Oh no, I think we're not we cut out. Did our Sima cut out for other folks? Did I cut out? Hello? Okay, so oh okay, now I'm back. This is so weird. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Commissioner Oswald had called for the next item. And the next item is item number eight. This or seven, I'm sorry, this is committee reports, discussion only. Item 7A is executive committee, item 7AA is LAO. Good evening, everyone. Um, I have two items to report from the last Board of Supervisors meeting. Um, the first one is file number 220014, which is the appropriation and deappropriation of um, children, youth, and their families, public works, street uh, maintenance and cleaning for $85,000. Um, sponsored by Supervisor Asha Safai. Um, this ordinance essentially takes away $85,000 from the Department of Children, Youth, and Their Family, CHF, and puts that money um, into the Department of Public Works, DPW, for street maintenance and cleaning. Um, it's currently under the 30-day rule um, to the Budget and Finance Committee. And the second file is... Uh, file number 20030, which is just a hearing, um, which is a hearing for the city's plans to support COVID-19 prevention and response measure for uh, San Francisco Public Schools, uh, sponsored by Supervisors Melgar, Ronan, and Ronan, uh, Supervisors Melgar and Ronan. Um, 
it's a hearing to see um, response measures for SFUSD. Um, and it would essentially be about vaccinations, uh, increasing testing, um, access to PPE, and, re and requesting um, support from the Department of Public Health and Department of Emergency Management. And that concludes my report. Well, thanks, Stephen. Um, next up, we have comms. Uh, yeah, um, I have a few things to report. So um, in comms, we were talking, we we're just like doing like, um, just like setting goals for this year, like what we want to do in communications. And one big thing is to restart the podcast. Ooh, that sounds so sad. I'm sorry. Um, it's to restart the podcast. Um, yeah, because um, we can do that now because we got the money situation sorted out so you can work on the podcast now. Yay. And like our goal for the podcast is <laughs> is to be more like um, like storytelling driven in the sense that we're not only going to be talking about the things that the Youth Commission is working on, but also like telling the stories of youth leaders in um, SF, as well as like highlighting organizations who are doing stuff in SF, whatever. Um, and yeah, it's like the big thing. What else? Also just like, and also on social media, just like prioritizing youth, prioritizing youth stories and youth voice because we're not the only youth in San Francisco and we're not the only people of opinions. Yeah. And those are two main things. And also, Maybe, just maybe, we'll be commission TikTok. We'll see. Um, yeah, and Emily, if you want to add anything, you can. No, that sounds great. I think Gabby covered everything. But yeah, I'm excited to start working with comms. Christina, you can call the next ones. Oh, I can? Okay, mm -hmm. great. Um, so next up on the agenda, we have general exec updates. So I'm trying to think of, well, we passed the motion that we were discussing in exec last meeting, which is, oh, okay, wait, Amara has her hand up, yes. Oh, I can I can ask the question after Commissioner Oswald. Go ahead and continue. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, we passed the motion that we discussed last meeting, and I think we were also discussing about ways to how do I say this? Sort of keep different presenters and whatnot accountable in terms of, especially in regards to legislation referred, making sure that the people who are supposed to come or are on the agenda to come. Uh, maintain a line of communication with us so we know for sure that they're coming or we know ahead of time that they actually won't be able to make it and they need to reschedule and what sort of happens if that isn't met if that expectation isn't met just because in a virtual world you know 
it's harder and harder to be connected. And with so much staff turno turnover in City Hall, it's been a little difficult to sort of maintain that line of communication with different supervisors offices. So that's something that we're monitoring as an exec committee. And I think right now it's sort of, I don't want to say out of our hands because it feels like we're not feels that sounds that feels like an avoidant phrase but right now there's just a lot of things going on that aren't necessarily like we're definitely not the only commission to have experienced this so we're just keeping an eye on that and um if it gets worse then or not worse but if we see that this is an issue that continues to persist then we will take the necessary steps needed but that was sort of the main thing I remembered from our exec meeting last time. And if any other members of exec would like to jump in and add anything. <laughs> Thank you for the thumbs down, Gabby. So, okay, Mara, go ahead. Um, I actually think what I had wanted to say might be more fitting in the uh, announcements for community events. So we can move forward. Okay, great. So when we get to that part, can you raise your hand so I remember? I'll just jump right in, but yeah, I can raise my hand. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Committee, or not committee, community announcements are for everyone, but yeah. Okay. So I think next up is OCOS. Um, no, nothing huge. It's just I have been in communication with my contact at OCOF, um, mainly, uh, and bringing up the issue mainly around COVID and its impact on families and children as of lately. Um, I've seen a lot of families, actually hundreds of people in lines at these different COVID sites. And um, I want to be able to bring the most resources um, and services to these children and families. And although the council hasn't met for over two years, um, I'm trying to find the best way possible that we can hold the different city department members accountable and see what is it that we can really do even if the council isn't together just you know trying trying to see how best we can help these these people but that's about that i'm still in communication with them but that's all i have for right now thank you amadeus for that update staff can you please call the next item <clears throat> yes. Um, the next item is item number eight. This is staff report discussion only. Um, a few things to share here. So I think in a previous meeting and in exec, I had said that um, city staff would be going back, at least city staff and city hall would be going back January 18th, but that has been extended um, until February 14th of this year due to Omicron. And so um, I won't be back in the commission office until that week. Um, so I just wanted to say that in this meeting. <clears throat> also, um, two kind of newish updates. So earlier and in your yearly calendar, I had mentioned that we would be using um, the long weekend um, that just passed um, to do our media retreat. Um, but because our office is so short staffed, like that, that actually wasn't a viable solution and it's not within my capacity to lead a three-day 
weekend training with 17 young people. Um, and so what we're going to do, and I, I asked exec for their input, um, is we will be doing workshops kind of like what we did in the summer, except this time it won't be me talking at you. It'll be commissioners themselves, returners who will, who I will ask, I'll ask you right now, actually, but it'll be a mix of returners speaking to you. I'm planning to get some alumni into these meetings and then um, some other guest speakers who can speak to you about the budget advocacy piece. Um, I will be training you all, though, on some topics just because I kind of have to. Um, and I joyfully do that. Don't, don't get it wrong. Um, but there are some things that we do need to plan out together as a whole. Um, so some, some of the content will be covered by outside folks. And then some of the content will be covered by myself because, um, part of your charter duties is to advise the board on, on the budget needs of young people. Um, and so my third, uh, thing to report here today is that the budget and appropriations committee has scheduled their um, hearings and they've scheduled the youth commission to present before them on February 26, 2022. Um, that is a Saturday. So I think that they gave me the date wrong. Um, so I would, if you're interested um, in participating in this presentation, it is around five to 10 minutes and they do ask commissioners questions afterward. And our time right now is 1 p.m. I can ask for a later time because obviously that's not youth accessible time. Um, and if they do give us a, a later time, it'll probably be like after three o'clock. And so um, we normally have one person from each committee present, but seeing that we don't have committees this year, um, we can we don't have to go off of that. But is there anybody in this meeting right now who would be interested in presenting to the Budget and Appropriations Committee? Nobody? I would want to do that. <laughs> okay, Emily, <laughs> thank you. I would also be interested, but um, it depends on the time, yeah. Okay, so Jaden, maybe, what time works for you, Jaden? Well, it would be on a weekday, right? Yeah, it's on a weekday. It's definitely not on a weekend. Um, yeah, I guess uh, the time after three would work. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, maybe one other person or two other people. Hi, Mitch. I'm interested, but um, it's just a time. After three works for me too. Okay, that's perfect. And anybody else? Last call. Can I get back to you on the time? That was Steven. Yes, you can. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you'll hear me talk about it again. So if you change your mind after today, this won't be the last time to share. Um, and for the folks who said that you are interested, as soon as I get the right date and change the time, I'll send out calendar invites. And we'll also do a separate prep meeting um, sometime that week to prepare you all for this presentation. Um, but it's not too long and most of it is already done. So you won't have to do a lot of heavy lifting. Um, and then going back to the workshops in lieu of media retreat, are there any returners who would be interested in supporting with the content of, of those workshops? I can help. Me too. Okay, cool. 
That was Arsima, Amara, and I think Jaden. Cool. Um, yeah, Gabby, and for the presentation to the BAC, you would be, oh, and Gabby said yes. You would be um, <clears throat> presenting on the budget budget requests. So if you remember last year, we did like the omnibus resolution where each committee set forth their budget recommendations, um, which we haven't specifically done in each committee, but we will do in the workshops and probably in the coming weeks. So don't worry because we haven't done it. We haven't missed anything. Yeah, that's what I had thought you said. So don't worry. Um, and that concludes my report. Thank you, staff. Can you call the next item? Yes, item number nine is announcements. This includes community events. So Amara, take it away. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I just kind of want to, how do I say this? Um, I kind of want to just name kind of like our, what was it? Mm. What was it? Um, our practice or exercise? Um, and I had noticed that a lot of us didn't necessarily know how to speak to, you know, the undocumented experience, which makes complete sense as, you know, many of us may not be undocumented, but I do think it's worthwhile for us to look at this as like a learning curve and a learning opportunity, right? Because I know that some of us didn't necessarily know some information, how to speak to things. And I completely understand that I myself had and continue to learn a lot of things and educate myself and learn and unlearn. Um, and by no means do I say this in a call out, but rather in a call in way, I hold a lot of compassion and um, sympathy as many of us don't necessarily have that lived experience. So we don't necessarily consciously or even um, actively think about these things. So I just wanted to say, you know, I think this would be a really good opportunity for all of us in our own capacities to learn more about what it means to be an immigrant, what it means to be undocumented in the San Francisco, Bay Area, United States and at large. And if any of you all want to talk about that with me further, someone who I think is pretty consistently advocating alongside and, and for the undocumented community in the Bay Area, please let me know. I have like a lot of like experience and work with that. And yeah, I think this is just like a conversation continuing to just hold each other accountable and also just lift each other up. So thank you all. I also have an announcement but uh, yeah, I'd I would also like to offer myself out as somebody you can reach out to um, for anything, any questions regarding undocumented workers. I I'm, I actually work as a career coach and I help a lot of people find jobs. A lot of my clients are people that are undocumented. So I see what kind of barriers they experience to um, talking directly with them and trying to help them out. It's a hard process. But yeah, no, feel free to reach out to me too for that. But the community event that I wanted to announce, and I'll say it really quick, is that I recently was approached by um, a nonprofit organization where I used to work at, and they're off they want to offer youth commissioners financial mentoring. This is one-on-one -on -one mentoring where you speak with a financial advisor about anything surrounding basic budgeting, money management, debt management 
credit cards, loans, auto loans, or even entrepreneurship, um, and be able to start getting on a path towards building wealth. Um, they want, they, they're offering these services for free, and they wanted me to see if anybody from the Youth Commission is interested in speaking to a professional financial advisor. Normally, these services are offered to people that have a lot of money um, in, in their bank accounts, and uh, they teach them how to really use that money. But uh, this is a nonprofit, somebody that I have worked with in the past that really kind of helped me with my own credit score. Um, so if anybody is interested, I'd like to at least get a list of names. You don't have to commit, but I'd like to get at least some names to see that, oh, like I'd, I'd be interested in talking to somebody to see how I, I what are some wealth building opportunities for me if I'm looking to buy a house one day or a car. Just any sort of plans, you know, um, but yeah, just the resource. If, if I can get a list of names, would be cool. We have Amara, Emily, cool. and Arsima. Okay. All right. Um, cool. So I'll go ahead and note down the names that I see in the chat, but. Um, yeah, no, it's a great opportunity. Uh, and just send me a message if you're interested later on. They would like to, these are one-on-one, one-on-one. -on -one, one -on -one, so it's just you and the financial advisor, um, even if it's surrounding school and student loan debt. But any sort of questions that you have about that, it would be great. So I'll go ahead and pass on this information to them. And if anybody else is interested later on, just go ahead and let me know or let staff know to pass on that information. But thank you. That's all. Yeah, this is also coming from my path, um, which I believe they gave a presentation to you all earlier in the year. And they do a lot of um, building up of like financial education for young people, especially young people of color or young people who come from families where poverty was a real thing. And they're really trying to help um, young people build up their generational wealth. And so it's a free resource. I encourage you all to um, share it. Um, and if you have other folks in your family or in your circle, your loved ones who you think might also benefit, um, you can let me know or Amadeus know, and I'm pretty sure that my path will make some exceptions. Yeah, thank you so much to both. Amara and Amadeus for those announcements. I also want to echo what Amara said. I'm happy to offer up any knowledge or, um, I don't know, you said it in a better way than I can say it, but basically I'm offering up myself the same way Amara offered herself up. So yeah, if there's, are there any more announcements? I do. Okay, go ahead. Um, hi, this is Commissioner Hum. Um, I would like to read a, a memoriam um, about uh, Colonel George Ishikata. Um, Colonel George Ishikata was the director of JRTC in San Francisco. He also served um, as a member of the San Francisco Veterans Commissioner, Veterans Affairs Commissioner, and he unexpectedly passed away on December 30th. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing Colonel Shikata up is that he changed the lives of countless students and youth in San Francisco. Um, upon his retirement from, from the army, um, he, Colonel Shikata 
was an instructor at Lincoln High School. Um, and he eventually became the district um, instructor for San Francisco General RTC. Uh, Colonel Shikata was in JRTC in 1977 at Lowell High School, um, where he stayed to help teach um, students after his graduation as well. Um, and as a leader of the San Francisco JRTC community, Colonel Shikata did uh, much more than mentor cadets, right? Um, he continued to, um, he continu continuously fought to keep JRTC in San Francisco high schools. Um, and worked tirelessly to improve the experience um, cadets received at activities. Um, he mentored um, not only myself, but uh, former Youth Commissioner President, uh, or Youth Commission Chair Josephine Curtin in JRTC. Um, and he left a legacy among JRTC uh, cadets who will continue to develop their own leadership identities and live up to the values Colonel Shikata set of loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that information, Stephen. And I think it would be helpful if you could connect with each cell so she could put that in the weekly digest internal you know the weekly thing so yeah thank you for that announcement is there anything else anyone would like to say i'm comfortable with moving forward thank you for that okay Seeing that there's no other announcements, staff, can you call the next item? Yes, item number 10 is adjournment. This meeting is adjourned at 8.31 p.m. Thank you so much, everyone, for sticking through, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your night. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Yes. So um, for tomorrow, I schedule like a photo fingerprint day or something. And then it's asking me to bring like live scan form. So like, what exactly is that? They should have emailed them to you. <clears throat> oh, but they didn't. I couldn't find any like live scan forms that are emailed. Uh, okay. Give me, give me one moment. <clears throat> 